Shut up and sit down. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, our topic is tropes we hate. Um, and the thing is about fandom is, is there's a there's a variety of people in fandom, and with that comes a variety of fucked up shit, and, <laughs> and startling stuff, and things you're like, what? <laughs> you're gonna do what? <laughs> like last week, I learned about littles. I didn't even know littles was a thing. I thought it was a cartoon. <laughs> I was mistaken. So tonight we're going to talk about it. Um, where do you want to start? Where do I want to start? start? The, the first one on my list is ABO. That's a good one. Well, I think I think I want to start with. I, there's some things I don't consider personally don't consider tropes, okay. but they do come up in people's trope list, but that I think are really objectionable. So things like rape, sex with children, um, which is rape too but it's you know the very when you're talking very underage like people under 14 that especially even under 10 the prepubescent the pedophile type thing i don't consider that a trope i just just offensive shit that chan stuff yeah so i don't i don't feel like i would normally talk to that in a most hated tropes thing because i just find that stuff offensive and it's it's not a trope it's a crime so let's i don't i don't fetishizing you know um, criminal behavior like that it's just that's just r- really repugnant criminal behavior so i it, it, the, to me that those aren't tropes we we're not gonna just assume we hate those and um we're not gonna talk about them like they're tropes because tropes tr- to me calling it a trope normalizes it and um i would never want to do that no i agree i was really surprised to see it on there i was like that's not a trope yeah I mean, it's it's on like that thing that the people at Medium did. Um, it and rape was rape was on there a list of most hated tropes. I just wouldn't have pulled it as a trope at all because yeah, but I mean, it was good that people hate it. But still, okay. So ABO, ABO, ABO sucks. My biggest problem with ABO is well, the rape element, um, and more often than not, I mean, even though. I know I've I've heard that originally the the mindlessness was not part of it, um, and it was put in later. It wasn't part of the original kink challenge. I've heard that. I don't know. I've I've never seen the original kink challenge. Um, I I, I know it came out of a kink meme, maybe in Supernatural. Is that accurate? Yeah, Supernatural is where the tropes are. I don't know if it was on a kink meme, but it came out of Supernatural. Um. So my biggest issue with the ABO is the mindlessness because it creates a situation um, where consent cannot be continuous. Now, I even tried to rod an ABO where I removed the consent issue, except I didn't remove the consent issue because I had it in my head that that mindless hate thing was part of the trope and I couldn't get rid of it. And so I tried to mediate it by having my, my Omega pick his partner before he went into heat. And I couldn't even write the actual scene. 
or even the consensual sex up to it um because uh i got so freaked out because in a mindless heat there is no uh, there's no ability to um to give consensual um continuous consent is con continuous consent and so when you're in a sex act with somebody your ability to say no should never disappear there is no moment where it's too far there is no moment where it's you're it's too late um so for me the abo that's the problem it's the um the lack of continuous scent um consent <clears throat> i've never read the pern books um I did say I wouldn't read the son's version either because he's a homophobic twat. And also, why couldn't he write his own books? Why do you have to tag on to his mom? Um, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I find it for with ABO, um, I mean, there's certainly some elements of the trope. I mean, I don't know exactly what all what was always baked into it at the beginning. It's pretty obvious to me... Um, what the trope was about, which was about enabling Mpreg in a, in a way that was resonant in the world building, as opposed to it just sticking out like a sore thumb and being in, inexplicable how Dean in this case got pregnant. So I understand where the, where the, um, now people have gone uglier places with it. Um, with and and I think that people have like they keep when people go to uglier places but they keep like they keep doubling down on the ugly aspects of of the of it and but I do I do see where it was born right which is that you've got male male very popular male male pairings and they want to people want to introduce children to that they want to introduce mpreg into that and they want to introduce mpreg into it in a way that is part of the world building. I mean, I have read Mpreg stories occasionally where it's just like, you're like, you're in the middle of your procedural crime drama and one of the characters is pregnant. It's like inexplicable how this is happening. They're just like, you know, there's a few men running around pregnant and it's like they tried to hand wave away that the detail of how that could be, but it just, it, it, it's like a turd in a swimming pool. It's like, you can't just tell us it's not there. Um, you got to explain that. <laughs> so I understand how, how kind of that could kind of come to be, but it's just turned into something that is really ugly. And people haven't have latched onto the ugly aspects of it. And even when they say they try to mitigate the ugly aspects, the consent issues, they actually often don't. I, you know, we talked on the podcast last night about people, you know, trying to do other things like Kira, even like Kira talked about, like trying to make sure that it's all chosen ahead of time and that kind of thing, ignoring the fact that the continuous consent is, is absent. But I also read one story that said they're taking all the consent issues out, but it actually, what they did is they inverted it, which is the consent issues were, uh, were, were shifted to the alpha because what they made it is that the omega isn't mindless, but that an alpha doesn't have the right to deny an omega. What? Legal yeah, legally. That's how I'm reading it, right? Thinking, okay, they said there's no consent issue. They've taken out the mindless heat. They specifically said that. They're resolving all the consent issues. And then I get down to when it's happening and an alpha legally doesn't have the right to refuse an omega. And and the thing is, of course, she made it that alphas would never want to turn down an omega, but it, 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 that wasn't the point. She, made it, the so point. They, she made it to the point they couldn't. So they, she made it institutionalized rape. And it was just like, why do you guys have to just? I mean, why can't you just make it? Why just? just why? Why don't you just well, address it? So it's just you have to recognize that there are certain people that fetishize the lack of consent. I mean, 
Yeah, GP is a consent issue, but the author doesn't recognize it as such. I'll tell you why. What I read in that, reading between the lines, okay, is that this is an author who equates omega, even though the omegas are male, if she equates omega to female and alpha to male, and men, men and men can't be raped. That's the logic. That's yeah. the progression. That's the progression I took through in my mind. Is she thinks men can't be raped, and and I, I find women who say stuff like that. I mean, I have a really hard time not wanting to punch them in the face. So, and I'm not a violent person. I'm sometimes violent in my thoughts, but I've never hit a person in my life. So, you um, know, I you know, I've always considered well, violence an option. I will I will punch them for you. Okay. I mean, I, I got I got in a fist fight once in school, but other, but now, but not, as an adult, I, I just don't hit people. So I just, you know, I, it infuriates me when I see people say stuff that's ignorant. So when I see somebody doing something like that, where they say they've removed the consent issue, and then I see that kind of, tr that, tr that train, and where she's challenged in the comments about this, she just denies, oh, no, 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 that's not rape. I'm like, yeah, it is. You've, you've basically made, you've, you've said the law has made it something. They have to do this. So, but anyway, um, so ABO. And the thing is, I have read some occasionally some very good ABO fix, but even the ones that I think are better, I, most of them just don't really truly address the consent problem. They don't address the continuous consent problem. Even if they address everything else, they don't address the cont continuous consent problem. And, um, or I read one where, she did the omegas are not mindless so there was an element of continuous consent but their heat is so torturous without a partner that they would get a partner regardless <sighs> that to me you've still created a consent problem because you know it's like okay i wouldn't bang you normally but i'm so uh, this is as so agonizing that i'm going to bang you now that's a that's a consent issue still and it's like people just don't see that so it is a it is a hugely i think it's a trope that could be good or could be interesting could be something that people want to play with but generally yuck i agree it's up there on my most hated i mean i filtered out now that a now that ao3 has made it easier to filter out all of that crap i filter when i'm doing searches on, and i tend to filter out abo as much as possible now people don't always tag for it in a consistent way so you usually have to filter out multiple tags to try to get them all and then you may not still may not get them all um but yeah it's 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 not a abo is not a good trope um so i mean you know the thing is is even if i mean like if they require penetration we already have machines that will fuck you they exist currently the technology is there. <laughs> no, there are but, fucking machines. Literally, there are fucking machines. Right, but you know, so but they're why isn't that an option? They're deliberately writing it that they need the alpha sperm. That is disgusting. Right? So not, not only... Oh, wait. So not only is uh, fucking mandatory, but unsafe sex is mandatory as well. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, people do, the thing is, there's so many elements to this trope, and people mix and match and put stuff together, but I see people mixing and matching, just in the summary, I can tell, by the way they describe things, they've mixed and matched things to make it as objectionable as possible. Like, I read, this This was in the, it was this was the summary, I scrolled past this one story, I want to say it was Teen Wolf, but could be wrong, Teen Wolf has a way of, they could, I've, somebody mentioned in the chat that Teen Wolf has done some better versions of ABO, and I agree, but they've also done some of the worst. And there was one where there's no women at all. There's, there's just omegas and alphas. Everybody's male, 
but like the women have the the male omegas have breasts and they don't have a dick so they basically are women but they're not calling them women and i mean it was just like they're racing women and yet turning the the male the omega side of the pairing into women effectively biologically i don't it was it was yeah right it was like i i was i just sort of like it was so offensive i'm like wow I, I remember seeing some art on tumblr once um it was a drawing of an omega and the it was an um he had a penis but no testicles i'm thinking myself oh, oh my god did you actually ever take a biology class because you do because re- you do realize that if you give an omega a penis but you don't give them testicles that they cannot get an erection well, I mean, I guess they could be rationalizing it away as being that this is a completely different gender and that things could work differently. So I don't know that I would immediately jump to, I mean, it, at first glance, I kind of go, what? But when I pause to consider, I kind of go, well, I mean, I doubt they've actually put enough thought in it to consider the mechanics of it and how things work differently. But with a completely different I gender. Maybe, yeah. I, I, I wish I had, because I'd like to know what, what they thought. Yeah, basically, they they turn the Omega's penis into a large clit that wouldn't be capable of an erection. Uh, but speaking of things in ABO that I find objectionable, is like, of the things they put into the ABO trope that make it super objectionable, is that the Omegas all have tiny penises. Yeah, because how dare an Omega have a, um, have a penis that doesn't make an alpha feel bad about himself? Right. So, so the little dick thing... Um, no no testicles at all um some of them put uh some of the some of some of them all of this handle strictly anally some of them they give them a vagina as well as a as well so they basically again functionally making i guess if they have a penis and testicles as well as the vagina they're also they're making them functionally intersex but uh, you know which intersex or, or something something closer to intersex is what i did in subversive um that i was writing a third gender that had characteristics of both that reminds me of an email i got about um patient zero um in patient zero um rodney is intersexed basically he has a um he has a vaginal slit um and he um John and Rodney have sex in the shower and it's anal penetration. I had a reader email me and ask me why I'd given Rodney a slit if I wasn't going to let Rodney, John, have sex with him that way. Well, obviously he had had sex with him that way because Rodney was pregnant. Yeah, so... But why would that vaginal slit be the the only hole that John would use? Because John was in a relationship with Rodney before their transition into the... um, the tattoo. So, why would why would that take anal sex off the um, table? Well, it's sort of like saying that women can't have anal sex, and women have anal sex all the time. Just because you've got a vagina doesn't mean you don't like it up the ass. So, yeah. So, ABO ABO is a, it, it may not have been a problematic trope on the face of it. Um, up front at the beginning, but where people have gone with it has made it a, a, a most hated trope. Um, and I would, I'm going to throw in here also into the most hated tropes and not for the rape aspect, but just because of what it is, is my most hated trope is slavery. Um, 
even if you're not having characters having sex with people who are enslaved, I find slavery so objectionable that I just don't understand the point of including it as a major feature of a story. Um, I just don't want to read it. I, I, I can't, I mean, I've, I've heard, I've heard arguments from people about, I want to want to write this story set in this era where there was slavery. I'm like, okay, go, you do you, but it is, I hate it. I absolutely hate reading about it. I don't, I, I don't want, I just, no. I won't read it. No. I don't care if there's no, it's not, it's, it's just, we're, since we're not talking about the rape aspect, because I don't consider rape a trope. Um, it's not about that angle of it. Although that, if there is sex with, um, it's sex with somebody who's a slave, that it does cross the line into slavery, but into rape. But I'm talking about just the whole, for me, using slavery as part of your world building and whatnot. I hate it. I can't stand it. I'm not interested in reading it. So. Um, I wouldn't want to re- read a recovery slavery fic any more than I would want to read rape recovery. No, it's just not something I want to read. So some of these, some of the tropes we're talking about, I just, I think that most reasonable people would find objectionable, but some of them is just stuff I don't like, or that Kira doesn't like. I just hate slavery in, as a feature in a story. Um, because I don't like reading high angst, and I don't know how you could have a recovery from slavery story that wasn't high angst. But there is a difference between um, consensual sexual slavery in a BDSM environment and outright slavery. Legal ownership of another person. Yeah, yeah. When it, when, when it, when it crosses into the illegal as opposed to something people do, you know, a negotiated thing in someone's bedroom, when you're crossing into something that is a functional part of society, it means to me the whole society is gross and I just don't want to read it. Um, but, you know, the, because there is a difference between, say, a pet or a slave or um, a submissive in a BDSM environment versus legally owning another person. Right. And um, also, now I have read stories, you know, that don't, that, that are, you could argue, could say that they might be... Um, slavery recovery but they're not really because the the recovery isn't the factor of it, but like one of the main characters particularly i see this in sci-fi where like one of the characters was raised on a slave planet or something like that and they've gotten away from it and it's part of their background i don't have a problem with that as long as the story isn't focused on their recovery from that because it's just not what i want to read i don't it, that's too much angst. If the story is actually focused on rape recovery or, or slavery recovery or any kind of major trauma, if that's the focus of the story and like that's its thematic element is the recovery of this horrible traumatic event, that's not the kind of thing I like to read. It would so. take me into a very dark place mentally and I don't like to go there. Yeah. That's not why I read. Yeah. Now, so that's not saying that, you know, I can't read a fantasy or sci-fi story where there was, you know, like, the, you know, we don't interact with that where, where slavery is a, a minor part. Like it's like this world, the planet of slavery, we know they're, they're cut off from the rest of the Federation or whatever, you know, I'm not going to like that, that even the mention of it, but I'm not going to necessarily put the book down if it's good. So let's just throw that one out. Fuck that. Um, let's go with a lighter trope. Most hated. I hate self self. And with self self, <laughs> I think it's fucking dumb. The first time I encountered it was in Harry Potter with a time with a time turner. And the summary was um Harry Potter has a date with the best fuck in Britain. Ha ha. That's funny. <laughs> That's true. The first time I saw it, it was in the Buffy fan, and there's an episode where Xander gets split into two and um he fucks himself. 
Okay, that's self-self. It's when a character either f fucks a, a version of themselves, either from another dimension or through time travel or whatever. I hate it. I think it's like uh, so utterly bizarre. I mean, I've never read it where I was like, because I actually didn't even understand that's what was going on. So like when I saw the fic tagged for Xander Xander, I was like, what does that mean, Xander Xander? How can Xander fuck himself? So I'm reading the story, right? And I was like, this is that episode, oh. where, he got, this is the episode where he got split into two people. I remember that. I know this episode. So he's going to fuck his split. Ooh. Um. But the time turner in Harry Potter makes it so easy and so terrible and so gross. It's, oh, yeah. very, it's actually precariously close to twincest. The only thing worse I've ever seen um, as far as like that particular trope goes is that David Hewlett ended up in the SGA universe and banged McKay. <laughs> I don't know that I would want to read it, but Rod, David Hewlett. <laughs> now I've seen Rod. I've seen Rod Rodney stories. Um, I didn't want to read them, but I've seen them. Um, oh, that is really creepy, Arate. I didn't know that. The actor who played Xander is a twin. Ew. Um, oh, so they didn't have to work on special effects. That's interesting. Okay, so. So self self, I just find it just just we could just it's a short mention on the self self thing, but I just like bleh, yuck. And in that same similar vein, weirdly, is character when, reader fix. Ah, uh, those are usually written in second person, which is not a trope, but it's definitely a pet peeve. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I guess it is. You could say it's it's a it's a narrative style, but but they actually when they tag them character reader. I would call I I say that's cro crossing the line into trope. Yeah, um, because they're not they're not it's not like they're writing you know apostolary. They're writing, you know, they're intending for you the reader to think that you're being banged by Bucky Barnes, um, and Bucky Barnes reader fic. I every time it seems like every fucking time I go to see what's new on Ao3, there's a new Bucky Barnes reader or a Loki reader, and it's just like I'm like. I don't need anybody telling me when to come. Thanks. Appreciate you. Well, it's just, it's just, ugh. um, okay. Give us another one, Kira. Harem. Oh, harem. I have so many reasons I hate harem fix. Harem fix. I fucking hate them. And it, it is so prevalent in Harry Potter that I want to stab people. I just, I, I can't. Oh, <laughs> harem. Fix. Oh, there's also it's oh. becoming. Have you noticed how prevalent it's becoming in MCU? I have not looked. I don't want to know. Oh, it's dude. disgusting. And, and honestly, I think it's so. What's objectionable to me about it is this person at the center of the harem is usually Tony Stark, and that's so bad because for, for anybody who's salty about about Civil War and anything after Civil War, the idea of Tony like being this the submissive of the entire avengers is just like can we please not <laughs> god and that's usually the way it's written right is like tony and the whole team so i just i can't i can't even and the issue with okay so the issue with harem fix for me i and this is if you like these tropes if this is something that you really dig whatever you like what you like i like what i like when it comes to harem stories it's because there's no equality in the relationships ever there can't possibly be there can't possibly be in my experience even foursomes tend to wind up more paired off than not um 
I don't mind a threesome. Obviously, I've written one. Um, I don't mind threesomes either. Tri- I used to be in one. Triad um, fix don't bother me in the least. Um, one of the best ones that I've seen in the OT3 department would be um, in the white collar fic where the husband and the wife take Neil home. <laughs> yeah. Because we're I'm I'm all in on on Peter and uh why why am I blanking on her name Elizabeth I, I call, Elizabeth I was gonna call her Tiffany but that's the actress's name I'm like it ain't yeah. Tiffany but I'm all I'm all I'm all in on Elizabeth and Peter taking um Neil home he he needs two minders for sure but you can you can you can have kind of an equilibrium in a in a threesome and even maybe in a foursome although like I said my real life experience with people in a foursome is they there tends to be more coupling off as opposed to staying a true foursome. But it starts to, when groups get bigger than that, a true poly group, I mean, listen, if it's a true poly group, everybody's just fucking sleeping around. But harem fix aren't that way. There's usually one person, usually Harry or Hermione or Tony Stark or whoever at the center of the harem. And it's just, there's no way for everybody in the, in the relationship to have, the, for there to be an equilibrium, for everybody to be an equal part, have equal weight, you know, Obviously, the person at the center of the harem is has has a predominant amount of clout in the relationship, and it's just I find it super mm. objectionable. It bothers me. But there is a difference between multiple partners and a harem, and um, I personally find multiple partners object- uh, objective. But I wouldn't call that a trope. I just don't like. I'm a romantic. I write romance stories, and that's just not what I like. And it's just it's just a personal preference, but I wouldn't consider multiple partners a trope. That's a hoe face. We we've all had that hoe face. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I guess I guess you could call multiple partners a trope, but I just like you said, I just don't. I don't think you can build a story around that. And I wouldn't. It's it's not it's not it's kind of a non trope to me. Like I don't I don't seek it out. I don't typically. I wouldn't like exclude it in a search result either. So uh, hated tropes are ones I exclude in search results, right? Um, I wouldn't exclude multiple partners, but it just, could just be because, like you, like you said, I do think because I've had my multiple partners phase, right? Right. Um, <laughs> sometimes you just need a little strange on Thursday. <laughs> I mean, I talked last night. I sometimes I well, talked last night. <laughs> well, no, I talked last night about how I went through that phase of that medication, and I like wore all my fuck buddies out, you know. And but that was a phase in my life when I had when I had multiple fuck buddies, right? Because I I didn't I didn't want to be in a relationship at that time, and you know it I had it was convenient to have no strings attached sex, and sometimes you know some spanking. Yeah, you can um you can um filter out any tag that you don't like on Ao3. Um, of course, you're relying on people tagging appropriately, and you're relying that they have used the form of the tag that you're, that you're re- re- removing from your search terms. But um, yeah, harem fix drive me nuts. Um, they more often it's disrespectful. Um, and in Harry Potter, it's always Harry Potter and a bunch of women, and a lot of times it's women that doesn't make any sense. Like it'll be like. Hermione and Luna, okay, that makes perfect sense. Maybe Daphne, she's cute. Okay, that works too. Susan Bones, okay, that's great. Narcissa, what? What? Oh, yeah. I, 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 there, there's one where it's like... <laughs> Bellatrix Har- Strange? Yeah, Harry, no, Be- no. Harry Bellatrix. All of, the, all of the sisters, right? Harry Bellatrix, Andromeda, um, Narcissa. Um, and it's like, uh, yeah, Molly. And it's like... Well, it's just You just go too far. <laughs> it's like, wow, really? Whoa. Okay. No. Um, 
they do end up being very misogynistic, Mizu. You're right. Uh, is that how you say your name? Mizu? Mizu? It's Mizu, but that's why I say it. I'm going to say it's Mizu. We'll see what she says. Mizu. It does remind me of the little dragon in Mulan. Mizu? I, for- I forget his real name, but yeah. Mish- Every Mishu. time I see her name, I'm, I'm reminded. Mishu. M- Mushu? Mishu? Mishu. Mushu. Mushu. It's Mushu. Mushu. Yeah. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow. cow. <laughs> I got that mug for somebody, right? He's got a little picture of Mushu and he's going, Dishonor on you, dishonor on your whole family, dishonor on your cow. And I had it and like, I don't understand what this is. I was like, okay, you can't have that. <laughs> you don't you, you don't deserve it. You cannot have the Mushu mug. <sighs> Um, okay, so next trope. Um, well, let's just get this one out of the way because I, 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 I hesitate to call this a trope, but people call it a trope. So, incest. I have it on my list. Okay, so let's talk about it. You can't okay. fucking read in the, in the Hobbit fandom without encountering it. Well, that's true. I mean, a Hobbit fandom is the one fandom where I don't filter it out, right? It's like, yeah, all right. You won't have anything left to read. Right, it's like, yeah, all right. So I'm gonna let the boys bang. As long as they're not banging on screen, I'm gonna deal with it. And there's so many authors that pair those two boys together that it is. I mean, if if you filtered all of them out, you might get what ten completed fix. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what? I am joking about the number, but it's ridiculous. It's a lot. It's a lot, and there's a lot of great stories that have them paired off on the and uh, behind the scenes. So as long as they're not the primary pairing, I have to say I've kind of made an exception for the Hobbit because it's like okay, whatever you can't get away from it. But I will say I will, and very well you should, Margaret. <laughs> I I do kind of I kind of put my hand over my eyes sometimes about the the, the sibling incest and go okay, whatever. I'm trying I'm trying not to be super judgy. I just judgy don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. But I'm trying to let you guys do what you can do. But parent-child incest, that's a whole other realm of fuck no. Hell no. I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, if you're writing parent-child incest, and it's not criminal and the parent's going to jail, get help. Uh, that's, about, that's probably the most judgy thing I'm going to say tonight, okay? Get help if you're writing parent-child incest and the, the parent isn't going to jail. Because there's just no excuse for... Get no, help and I no, hope you don't have children. For Noah banging his son. That's just not okay. That's just not okay. It's and it, it doesn't actually matter how old they are, but if he's underage, that's a fucking oh, no gifts during the podcast, please. Thank you. Um, especially if um, it, it it shouldn't be happening at all because it, you can't tell me that someone who's thirty years old, the relationship a uh, health that you can say their relationship is quote unquote healthy when it's with their parent. That's bullshit. Um, but um, if they're underage, that's a crime. Actually, I think parent-child incest is criminal in most states, regardless of the child's age. And it's also a mental disorder. Yeah, it's just fucked up. I mean, it's one thing if they don't know that they're related, um, but then you still got, you know, other issues to deal with. And you'd think there'd be some big psychological fallout, but I think I don't know why you'd want to do that. So the thing about incest is, is that, there, you know, it's like, well, there's a consent issue in play, especially when it comes to parent-child, because um, the parent has power over the child. The parent has, exhibit, has has exerted a great deal of power over the child their entire life. Um, and that power imbalance can't be um, rectified. Two, 
more often than not, one of the people in this pairing is going to be talking the other one into it through gaslighting and triangula triangulation because the other person is going to know it's wrong and terrible and it's extremely taboo. So there's emotional manipulation, there's gaslighting, there's a power imbalance. It's just... Come on now. But Supernatural's incest um, stories ruined me for Supernatural before I ever got to watch the show. Well, when you came into the fandom, when you first looked at the fandom, or when I first looked at the fandom, Kaz wasn't a part of it yet. Right. So all there was, pretty much, was Dean Sam. I was like, so instantly I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not touching that fandom of the 10 foot pole because there's no, there's no, there's no pairing for me to read. And I'm a romance, you know, reader and writer, but, uh, but then they brought Kaz in and I, I've read a few Dean Kaz stories, but I have to admit the fandom doesn't really resonate for me. Okay. So incest that's off the table. Uh, we might as well talk about impreg. Um, I can say I, 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 I'm putting this on my list and the only reason I put it on my list is because I don't what? actually, I used to what hate What are you putting on your list? Mpreg. It, it's sort of on my list. And I would say this, that's why I'm putting a lot of caveat on this. When I first came into fandom, I hated this trope. I hated it with the fire of a thousand suns. Um, I have since in some fandoms found really good stories that had Mpreg in them where the impreg made sense contextually. Um, it was like, okay, I could see, you know, whether it's in a fantasy world or a world of magic or a world of shifters, impreg is great. But for the most part, most of the time, the reason I don't like the trope is because I find it doesn't make sense. There's no effort to explain how it's, how it works in the world. There's no, it's just, you know, or it's bizarre or it's some sort of weird fetishization thing it's just i don't know it's just it's weird it's just weird the, um i don't mind them obviously i wrote one um the only but i'll tell you what turned me because if you look through my dream with you will find a post where i bitched about male preg um i also bitched about rule 63 fixing that same post i believe um but seeker geek changed my mind Seeker Geek is a really great example of of change. Now, Seeker Geek also did one of the things, one of the reasons why it's on my dislike list is because I don't mind Mpreg anymore as long as it is in a fandom where there's a hook that makes it make sense. Like the world, like Stargate, you got technology, you got the ancients did it, whatever. Um, fantasy. Magic and Harry Potter. Yeah, you got fantasy worlds. So any of those, anything that kind of makes it make sense. Okay, so that's fine. What I don't like about most Mpreg and why it's generally a dislike trope for me is a lot of Mpreg focuses ridiculously on the pregnancy. I'm just not interested in reading about pregnancy. So you could actually say that I don't like pregnancy trope at all because I'm just not interested in reading about swollen ankles and food cravings. I'm just no, not it's not. It's, it's boring. Zero interest. So if a story, if if it's if the impreg is written in a way that in a world that it makes sense and the, and the, the pregnancy is a feature of the relationship and there's other plot going on, I, I'm fine. That's great. I really like the progression of John and Rodney's relationship. And, and, and to me, that wasn't about the pregnancy. It was about, about John ceiling for Rodney. Um, but the actual, but sorry, like, I get my secret. Geek actually kind of broke my heart. Yeah, it really did. Um, 
there are moments in it where I was like, oh, John. <laughs> yeah. How can the you whole... somebody, somebody so much and not tell them? Yeah. Now, there are a lot of tropes I generally don't like where I have read good versions of it. Amnesia, for example. We'll talk about that one next. But generally, there are versions, there are tropes I just dislike. There are ones I outright hate. I typically, I won't read it all, typically. But the ones I just dislike, my dislike tropes, like, ugh. There's always an exception. Please don't send me the thing you think is my exception. But, yeah, let's just do let's just do that right now. Do not send us any emails regarding this podcast. That'd be great. Um, but there, I have read exceptions to every uh, to most tropes I dislike. I've read the exception where there's a really good version of it. Uh, but but when there's like one fic out of thousands, it means I need to stay away from that trope. So I've read the amnesia story that I like. I have read. Even read the story that focused more on the pregnancy that I liked. But generally, I'm not interested. I never have been interested in reading about somebody being pregnant. It wouldn't matter if it was male or female. So it's not about actually about MPreg. I don't like pregnancy as a trope. The, 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 the blow by blow of it. I don't want to read the crying and the, and the, and the swollen ankles and, and the, the hurting back. No, yeah, the I don't pushing. want to read any of that. The pushing. I, I don't want to read the pushing. I don't, I don't want to hear about afterbirth. I don't want, no, I don't want to know about it. No. I've seen that video. I there's actually one amnesia story, and only one, um, that I've read and enjoyed. Um, I'm in the world too. One, and it's about it's a it's a mixtape AU, and Rodney and John are together. Um, they, they got together in college, I believe, and um, Rodney and John break up, and Rodney goes through this traumatic emotional kind of breakdown and when he wakes up basically he doesn't remember who he is and he has to rebuild his life um and his friends find him and he, and he goes back to his his um house and he finds all of these things that he used to have in his life um that he no longer has and it doesn't make sense he's forgotten that he's an astrophysicist by by trade he doesn't remember any of it then he he sits down on his piano and he realizes that he can still play and he rebuilds his life around music and him and John get back together. It was beautiful. Um, one of the reasons why him and John um, separated is that Rodney was so involved in his work that he didn't have time for anybody else. But what was really interesting about this story is that Rodney never gets his memory back. He rebuilds his life and he, um, the, it, he, before he um, lost his memory, he bought John a plane. Well, near the end of the story, the, um, the plane gets delivered, and and he gives it to John. And it's just it's it's a gorgeous fic. And he eventually writes a symphony for John about flying, hmm. and he performs it. And it's just like it's just gorgeous. I wish I remember the name of it. I would tell you what it is. Um, I do know that during during the, the course of the thick at one point um rodney listens to goldberg variations and goldberg variations is one of my favorite um recordings uh i fucking love goldberg variations and um and i was like yes <laughs> <laughs> but it's mckay shepherd it's an au um and it is an amnesia um an amnesia fic and but it's the only one i've ever read that i enjoyed I talked, on, I talked on another podcast. There was one, um, one Buffy fic that I enjoyed. 
I wouldn't call it one of my most love fix of all time or anything, but I really enjoyed this one story. It was, they did get their memory back, but it was both, both sides of the partnership lost their memory at the same time. Although they weren't actually in a relationship when they lost their memory. Um, they just wound up thinking they were based upon evidence. And it, it, it part of the reason, the reason why I enjoyed it was because it had this, there was both a sweetness about it and then falling in love because they were falling in love with no preconceived notions of one another. And, and they just accepted one another because they didn't have any reason not to. Um, they thought, Oh, well, we're in a relationship. So I'm going to, you know, there wasn't any of the things that were standing in the way of them even being friends and in real life, but it, it was just, it, it was a very different take on it. Um, where you've got two people kind of with no memory, kind of stumbling through life together for a little while and they fall in love along the way. Uh, so it wasn't a traditional amnesia fix. Now, the reason why I dislike amnesia fix is because it was a big trope in the 80s in romances. Um, it was a big trope, like enormous. And I just, I've always thought they were contrived and stupid. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a thing. I just don't like it. Let's see. Let's consult the list. Where's my list? I'll save that one for... Say that I have a few that are kind of in. I understand why people like them, but I really don't like reading about them, kind of thing. Um, the story that I was talking about. Oh, you found it? With Rodney losing his memory and giving up physics is called um, Unidentified by Fiercely Dreamed. And I'm looking to see it, it is on AO3, and there are three works in the series. And I'm giving you the link now. But it's gorgeous. Um, so there are, so my next group is it's there's a few tropes that I they're kind of they're they're not I wouldn't actually call them similar, but I again this this group of, of stories it's it's tropes that I understand why people want to read them or which tropes do people read why people read them because they identify with them, it helps them some way, but I don't particularly like reading these tropes. And it's tropes about um uh, a character is becoming disabled. Um, uh, I don't mind a character that a story that is, but major injury that leads to disability and the recovery. It's not the disability itself; it's the recovery. So injury, recovery to disability. I don't like reading that. I don't like reading um, terminal illness stories. I don't like reading bullying. I don't like reading eating disorders. I don't like reading substance abuse, drug addict. Uh, and the reason is because there's you notice there's a theme here. These are all angsty topics. I'm not an angst reader. I'm not an angst writer. And so when the major thematic element of a story involves, you know, major illness, dying, bullying, major injury, eating disorders, substance abuse, I just, I just don't want to read it. So it's on my, it, they are on my dislike tropes, but for a very different reason than a lot of my other dislike tropes. I just find them too angsty and it doesn't make me, it doesn't put me in a happy place. So I just don't like reading about them. I don't like excessive lump. Like, yeah. I don't to either. The, to the point where you're thinking this character is, is, um, is, would not live in reality. I mean, you see, you see, you see Tony get beat to shit, right? He literally gets beat to shit. He's got broken ribs. He's got a skull fracture. And what's he do when he wakes up in the hospital? He jerks the IV out of his arm. Like, that's realistic and something you would actually fucking do. And leaves the hospital? No. 
Yeah. No. Now on on that list, like I said, every these these tropes I tend to avoid. I've I've read stories in all of those that I thought were exceptionally well done. I just don't seek it out because even the ones I thought were really well done that were a great read that I don't regret reading didn't leave me in a happy place. And I don't I honestly I at this stage in my life I don't want to get to the end of a story and not be happy. Um, there's actually an author that I tried reading. Their works were recommended to me all the time, and there's nothing structurally wrong with their works. And I could it was hard for me to even pinpoint what it was about thematically. She wrote right in my lane, right what I like to read, but I always was left at the end of her stories not feeling good. There's something about the way she presented stuff and the way the emotional tone of how the characters interacted um, that always left me feeling yucky. And I just stopped reading her because I don't want to get to an end of a story and feel yucky. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I got I to gotta address that one. Characters signing themselves out against medical advice. I really hate that trope. Um, and it's not even the leaving out, it's not even the logistical issue of what happens when you sign yourself out AMA, that there's a solid chance your insurance won't cover it. Um, it's actually the issue of I'm tired of reading about, you know, grown ass men, usually men, but sometimes women too, grown ass men who act like toddlers about having to go to the hot doctor and be in the hospital. Okay, so you've been shot and stabbed three times, and you're going to, you know, put everybody to a lot of angst having to babysit your dumb ass. I, I see this with Tony a lot, where they, like, have, I've read stories where they have shifts of people keeping an eye on him, so he won't try to escape the hospital. I mean, come on. How old is he? I mean, I, I have written Tony not wanting to go to the hospital, not wanting to go to the doctor, and having reasons for not wanting to go. But I would never write him, like, constantly trying to get out and drawing people's attention for that reason. You know, like, oh, Tony's trying to sign him out AMA again. Um, yeah, it is a big trope in uh, Mag 7 that Vin is always signing himself out AMA. Vin and Ezra, yeah, they both do it. Which, for uh, considering that they're usually hurt, you know, this is, this is, um, this is, not something opposite happened in Old West. So this is ATFAU stuff, right? Considering they're usually hurt in the line of work, they actually can't be doing that shit, be signing themselves out against their doctor's orders. If they want to go back to work, they can't. So it's just that that whole trope just needs to die in a fi fucking fire. If your doctor, the, in this day and age, doctors don't put you in the hospital unless you need your ass there. And that's the truth of it. They just don't. I mean, you can give birth one day and they're, and, and they're putting your ass out the next. If they're keeping you, it's because they need to. <laughs> well, there was an epidemic of them discharging women who'd given birth the same day. Remember that they had that yeah. spike? How long? It wasn't that long ago. It was what, maybe a decade ago, that spike of women who were dying because of being discharged too early yeah. after childbirth. Getting staph infections and sepsis. And uh, and, and most insurance companies had to, you know, change their guidelines that to allow at least a one-night hospital stay. But... You know, doctors don't put you in the hospital anymore. It's so, and honestly, it, it, getting insurance to pay for hospital visits is like brutal anyway. So, doctors don't put you in the hospital if you don't need to be there. So, yeah, thank you, Silver. That is the story that I mentioned about. It's called, uh, I think it's called Sweet Memories by um, Kayla. So, we'll put that, I'll get that link up in the podcast link library later but doctors don't put you in the hospital if you don't need to be there so characters signing themselves out now if you don't want to write your character in the hospital for three days then don't fuck them up so bad they need to go to the hospital 
Yeah. Because three-day hospital visit for most things is actually pretty... That's a pretty serious injury. Um, now, I also see the flip side. I see people doing ridiculous things with characters in the hospital. Like somebody who's actually relatively not hurt being kept in the hospital for multiple days. I'm like, he's got a broken arm. He wouldn't be in the hospital at all. They don't keep you in the hospital for a broken arm. Um, especially not the way it was described, right? You'd have to feel something a lot more going on with you than a broken arm. So, yeah, cast and toss. <laughs> get, the, get them cast, get them cast and get them out the fucking door. Um, where I am, we actually have a um, clinic that specializes in broken bones and stuff. If the hospital is, is busy, they'll refer patients over to that the urgent care clinic that just does orthopedic injury um, because they don't have time to be yeah. dealing with patients that aren't urgent. So, in that way, you know, they're, they're, they're not having a heart attack or whatever. So, you, you know, I know it's not easy to get the medical side of stuff right, but if you haven't ever, especially if you haven't had like been in the hospital or anything, um, but quit signing your character out AMA because the only reason why your character you would need to is like if if there's like something mission critical um, to get your character out of that your like your character has to be back at at NCIS to deal with a terrorist threat or at the FBI or whatever. In which case, which you the more appropriate way to handle it would be to have somebody in authority getting in touch with somebody at the hospital and finding out you know what they what precautions they need to take to, to care for this person and getting them like. Dis discharged into somebody's care rather than just having your character rip their IV out, you know, and man up and walk out the door, you know, leaking blood everywhere. Just stop it. It's just silly. Yeah. Well, I mean, there always are extreme issues when it's just a broken bone, but yeah, that, that, that's a little bit different. Cause especially if you're some, some breaks are very complicated for broke need, broken bone needs surgery. Um, but in general, you don't the compound fracture. You might have issues with in infection, um, et cetera. Yeah. And if they think you need a surgical consult, they will keep you in the hospital until you have the surgical consult. But in general, most simple breaks, they cast you and kick you out the door. So, um, let's see. Um, marriage law. Oh, that's just Harry Potter is rife with it. It drives me nuts. I don't understand. Because, well, number one, why doesn't Hermione just take her ass to France? Yeah, it's usually not well. It's usually not Marriage well law is state-sponsored rape. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it's often framed in a romantic way, and it's just disgusting, and I hate it. <laughs> I just hate it. It makes me deeply uncomfortable, and it's just like, why, why? The only one I've I've ever read in Harry Potter is one where um, Hermione um, hears about the marriage law, and she finds out that Dumbledore, in order to save her, I put that in quotes, um, from being married off to um, some Death Eater that he doesn't know, has decided he's going to marry her off to the Death Eater he does know, Snape, and she says hell to the no, packs her parents and Harry Potter up, and leaves. Which makes and because sense. because Dumbledore didn't fight the marriage law, not only did he lose out on using Hermione as leverage in some Death Eater plot, he also lost Harry Potter. 
Now, I did plot a marriage law fic that was like what Reaper described. It was a double bird at the at the at Dumbledore and the Weasleys, but I have one where Harry and Hermione are in Rome studying, and they get notification from the Ministry of Magic that that they have matched them to come um, to get married, and they respond by getting married to each other in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna do with that <laughs> but most if, if the marriage laws i don't have a problem with the trope if the marriage law is being used as a bad it's being used as a thing it's like they're going to defeat or they're going to work it around or it or it's your de- plot device to get harry potter out of britain um go for it it could be a really interesting plot device to just get harry to do the logical thing and go well i'm fucking off to france but when it is um when they like give into it and go along with it and hermione ends up with five husbands or she ends up married to Lucius Malfoy, or, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I it's mean, just no, it's just no, just no, 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 no. I mean, the one that uh, the story that the story that I plotted was that they were trying to after the after the war they were trying to use, um, marriage law to get control of the finances of um the Death Eaters and stuff, um, and by like if you don't want to be in prison you have to get married to somebody and they control your finances and stuff so and um harry was like no just if they've done something wrong you just put them in fucking prison this is this is not this is not acceptable and he was basically he done he and hermione did a bunch of research and um found out about some rituals he could call on to call for justice in the was in in the was in chamber and um he kept trying to talk them out of pushing this law through, not telling them what the consequences would be. And when the vote went down, um, he enacted this ritual to call for justice and inadvertently wound up um, tearing the Wizenigamon apart. That the whole government of magical Britain was was deemed unworthy by by magic and destroyed. So. Did you see what Reaper put up? <laughs> No. <laughs> okay, Reaper says there was one marriage law fic that was aimed solely at Harry. The ministry gave Harry a list of pure bloods he had to choose from, and he had creature kill them all <laughs> 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 to look like accidents. They they kept putting more on the on the pure bloods on the list, and he kept killing them. <laughs> well, see that see, that's an entertaining use of the trope, but for the most part, it's not used in an entertaining way like that. For the most part, it's used in a way that is disgusting it becomes institutional slavery and rape yeah state sponsored and it's disgusting it is it's gross just let's not um and it doesn't honestly it doesn't matter who i'm gonna say this i'm gonna say this flat out it doesn't matter who the target of the marriage law is it doesn't matter if the target of the marriage law because i have seen stories where the target of the marriage laws are the bad guys quote unquote and people seem to think that makes a difference. It do- no, it doesn't. You don't get to decide who gets to be raped. That's just not okay. You're not saying, okay, well, because they were, you know, they were on the wrong side of the war, that it's okay for them to be raped. It's no, it's really not. Well, it's only it. it uh, the most of the marriage law fix I've read, Dark, it is one side wants to do this to get control over the other side. It's rare that I've seen marriage law fix where it is both sides are being forced into it. I've rarely seen that. Most of the time, it is one side being forced, and the other side is the person who's helping conspire to make this happen. That's the way it's more often written that I've seen. Anyway, moving on. Um, so somebody mentioned a, a trope that I also I agree. It 
I'm not sure that I would even call it a trope, but it is kind of more a style that people do, which is that in in a in a pairing that one character always tops and one character always bottoms. Um and this is a, I agree, I actually don't like that, but it's a in a, in an individual story, if somebody writes it that way, I don't care. But it's where in a fandom it becomes like this character never bottoms. Jack O'Neill doesn't bottom or Gibbs doesn't bottom or whatever. Um I actually don't have a problem with an individual story where one character doesn't bottom because I've known too many fucking selfish bottoms in my life to think that that's not actually realistic. It's like, no, I'm not doing any work. Just do me. (laughs) It's just like, oh, fuck you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, certainly there are definitely some many, 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 I think it's probably reflective of many relationships that people switch off to some degree, you know, what mood are we in today? Uh, but like I said, I don't, I don't find it unrealistic from my own experience that there are people who strictly like to top and people who strictly like to bottom. So if that's reflected in a single work, I don't care as long as it's not some sort of reflection of, you And know, don't ask me to warn for it. Yeah. As long as it's not some assignment of, you know, some sort of feminine trait, like the character on the bottom is more feminine in some way. That's just appalling. But because it's equating being penetrated with being female and that being, I don't know. It's just, we talked about that last night a little bit. It's just ugly. Um, but the, um, but it's, it's when it's at, when it's at a fandom level where they go, Oh, this character can't ever bottom or you need to warn me for it. If they're going to bottom, that's ugly. That's just ugly ass behavior. No. If I'd known that mindset existed in the Awakening, when I wrote the Awakening of it, it was that mindset does exist in the Sentinel fandom that Jim's an exclusive top. If I'd known, <laughs> I actually love. I'm the just stories. saying <laughs> there are a few there are a few Sentinel writers who write Jim as like the the consummate power bottom. Right? He's yeah. Like, do me do me as hard as you can as often as you can. It's like okay, I find I find it to be. <laughs> A lovely interpretation, and I don't when I read it. But I think I, I, I think that might boil down to re- revenge writing. <laughs> it could be, but I writing. But the, the authors I've read who did it well, it wasn't like it was. It really resonated. I could see him being like, "Do me, chief." You know, it was just like, "Okay, okay, I'm I'm, I'm with you." Um, uh, I don't. I mean, I've read it read it in many stories, but I I haven't read in the core Sentinel fandom. Um in a long damn time. So I, I think there's probably two fix t- in total that I could even bring to mind by title. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. And the whole Jack O'Neill doesn't, that, that, that they had a warning for that on Wraith Bait was just like, was that Wraith Bait that had the warning? That uh, It was Area 52. Area 52 that had the warning that Jack, Jack bottom Jack. And it was a warning. It was like, and if I had known I that. I never warning for that. When I, if I had known that, when I wrote the journey home, which I don't think I did, um, Jack would have been like, yeah, I really prefer to bottom just so that I could piss a few people off. Um, I'm not sure I understand the context of that. Kai, what do you mean? Oh, I mean, I like, I don't, I don't need the, t- I don't, well, it has to be a tiny partner. I usually need a stronger partner. To, <laughs> I love, I love the fucking against the wall thing. You know, you may have noticed any, any, any story I've got where there's a character who plausibly could be strong enough to hold the other one up and fuck them against the wall. It's going to happen. That's just the way it is. I mean, it happens in, it happens in, uh, it happens in stick around. It's in Primus. Um, I do it in, um, 
in Sentry. Uh, I mean, it's just a, any character where there's a Sentinel, you know, because I always have Sentinels being slightly stronger. So the Sentinel's going to be fucking their guy up against the wall. That's why it's going to happen. Werewolves, if there's going to be a shifter, someone's getting fucked against the wall. It just shall be because I like it. I mean, now we're going to have to do a, a most favorite tropes broadcast. That is not this podcast. But yes, I'm, I'm with you, guy. I'm all in on it. But I don't, I don't need a, a smaller partner for that. I just need a stronger partner. And actually, sometimes the character getting fucked against the wall is the bigger partner. Um, <laughs> it's all about leverage. It is. It's all about strength and leverage. Uh, let's see. Hated tropes. Hated tropes. Um, uh, major character death. Major character death. Yeah. Generally, I hate it. 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 Do not kill my unicorn. Although I have... There is the rare, like with most things, there is the rare exception where you read a story and you're just like, okay, my unicorn's dead and that was beautiful and I'm having an ugly cry here and now I need to go find something fluffy. It's, you yeah. read it, you love it, you move on. But generally when I see my unicorn has died, I'm not touching that with a fucking 10 foot pole. You know, honestly, honestly, one of the best NCIS dead air tags I've ever read. The one where die. I know it's 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 the one the one where Gibbs buries him with Shannon and Kelly that one, yeah. And then he retires, and Senior yeah. comes around looking for money. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I only read it once; I'll never read it again. <laughs> yeah, that one I couldn't. I couldn't. I read it. I read it one time. I had an ugly cry, and I just <sighs> I, I moved on. But I, generally, I avoid it because I don't want. It, there are some beautiful stories out there that deal with a character dying and, and that's okay. That's okay. You know, I, I, sometimes I will read those, but it's hard to know what you're going to get when you see the tag major character death. Um, yeah. If you don't warn me and your only excuse for not warning me is because it would ruin the story. I'm going to cuss you out. I don't mm -hmm. care if you're not warning me for character death. If you're not warning me for rape or whatever. I don't care what your fucking plot twist is. If it's something that would, is fucked up and you don't warn me, I'm going to hate you and I'm going to cuss you out. Yeah, it's, it's the, the people use that same excuse for rape. I couldn't warn you about the rape because it would ruin the surprise. I don't need that kind of surprise. Uh, I would consider RPF a, a genre. Um, but if it, were, it. <laughs> if it were a trope, it would be one of my most hated. So. I consider RPF a genre of fan fiction, but it's I don't. I don't actually. I, it's hard for me to call that fan fiction. I just find it really disgusting. Yeah, I don't like it's it. So it's violating. Yeah, it's just it's it's a no. It's a no for me. For me, nope. It's that's a no from us, dog. <laughs> um, and this one's gonna surprise people. Woke up gay. I have a real problem with woke up gay. Because that's not how that shit works. No. Well, there's one. <laughs> there's one. There's one. I don't, I, I can't remember. I can't, I don't like the trope. And I would, but there is one NCIS story where basically it's like the Gibbs give, give recovered from the, um, from his head injury, from the explosion, his amnesia, a little bit more gay. <laughs> It's like I was so a I was little so, bit more gay, not like, like a, he wasn't a little gay before. No, well, no, but it's, no, it's, no. I'm sorry. It's not the, it was 
gives he's a little softer a little kinder and a little bit gay or and and gay or something like that but anyway it's like all of a sudden he's like you know going after tony <laughs> it's like he just it's it just like was, the bomb throughout his internalized homophobia or something i don't know if it's an internalized i don't i don't really remember how it was explained what had happened um i do remember i think i remember enjoying the story but it was just it was this one example where i was like Okay, I mean, I could see because sometimes people do have this is this sometimes people do have a significant shift after a traumatic brain injury. So I, I mean, you could I think you could work that into if somebody has always been curious or something like that, and like their inhibitions are broken down or something that they mm-hmm. might make a pass at somebody they wouldn't have before. I don't think they would be like I don't think it, you change. I don't think it would literally change someone's sexual orientation, but considering that most people are on a spectrum of bisexuality as opposed to one of the binaries in that way. Um, it, it could be that having, you know, losing memory, certain memories or having your brain get kind of scrambled a little bit for a while might, might reorient you a little bit or make you, maybe not reorient you, but make you more willing to act on that Desires. urge. Open you up a little bit, lower inhibitions, but just that whole wake up gay one day. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Also, gay for you doesn't make sense to me at all. I like to think that um, that on that, well, yeah, demisexual is a little bit different where, you know, you encounter, you know, someone that you, um, but I think that if you're well, demisexual, that you would know that about yourself already and you wouldn't just suddenly wake up gay. Everyone I know who's demisexual knows what their preference is on attraction. They just... They, they know what their preference is but i mean i i guess again this is a oh the gay for you one oh, okay yeah yeah I mean, okay you can fall in love with somebody that you didn't intend to fall in love with and if you do and if you are on the demi sexual spectrum i would say or that if if you're just like i said most people are on the bisexual most people are on the bisexual spectrum and they ask me if people are like could be honest with themselves if they set aside societal expectations or um basically everything you've learned in your life that most people are on some degree of bisexual. So if you've, if, if you have a character who's always been curious, but has never acted on it, fine. I, I wouldn't call that gay for you. But when I ever see gay for you, and it's someone who is hardcore, I'm straight. They've never had any, any doubt about that. And all of a sudden they read the, meet the right person. And all of a sudden they want dick. Um, it just, it just strikes me as being extremely implausible. Now I have, I have encountered in real life couples who were great friends. One one was one side of the was gay, and the other side said would have said that they were straight. And they fell in love over a long period of time. We're talking the slowest burn ever. And you know, one partner had the epiphany of like, you know, if 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 this if my best friend was female, I would totally be in a want to be in a relationship with him. So what's holding me back? But that kind of epiphany and that kind of self-awareness, I would say it's pretty rare. And it also is, like I said, it's a very slow burn. And it's not something that I think most people are going to have the patience to either write about or read about. So in general, the way it's written um, is not it's not a trope I generally like. The gay for you thing. Because it's usually written as somebody who is straight, just, you know, finding the right one to make them gay. Okay, what's your next one? I can't stand a slow burn. <laughs> well, wait. There's a slow. There's a there's a slow burn. 
Okay? And then the, then there is your character pairing meeting on page 500. Yeah, it, it depends. Slow burn could have a bazillion definitions. Because, like, I saw a thick tagged slowest burn ever. It's called slow burn, very slow burn, slowest burn ever. The story was 16K. That's not a it slow can't, burn. It, can't, it can't even be slow burn, much less the slowest burn ever at 16K. It just isn't possible. So, you know, but on the other hand, I do also know of a one million word fic that the characters still aren't together. They've, they've, <laughs> Have they've they been in, met. Oh, they, they've been in love for 800,000 words, but they won't get together. <laughs> oh, come on now. You know, so. And I periodically just check in on this fix if they've gotten together yet. No, I'm like I'm not. I'm not. I'm, and the thing is, I would never read it because if she ever did get them together, which it is that she said repeatedly that the end game is this pairing, and I wouldn't read it at this point. But I am curious how long it would take her to get them together because she has thrown. She got. She got them to admit their feelings. Like I said, about two hundred thousand words in, and like eight hundred thousand words later, they're still avoiding each other. It's like. So I'm not going to read it because that's ridiculous. But I, I do curi- periodically check in on her latest chapter to see if they're together yet, and they're not. They're not. Come on, that is that is binary stars. They are not meant to be together. Just move on. I agree. Scarecrow, Mrs. King was slow burn, and a charming one at that. Yeah, it can work. It's just yeah, for me, usually it doesn't. Because usually what they mean is I'm gonna be frustrated as fuck and wanting to throw popcorn at my you know, at, at the author for this, so it's... No, I, I, they I never, never should have gotten together in Moonlighting. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. Um, oh, misunderstanding. We gotta talk about the misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. of, of, tro- of the tropes that are not offensive, there are tropes I find offensive that are my most hated. Of the tropes that are not offensive on the face of it, like slavery and stuff, the, the one I hate the most, even above amnesia, is the misunderstanding trope. I hate an entire story hinging on a misunderstanding that is carried out for a hundred thousand words. I don't mind somebody having a misunderstanding. That's part of life, but you resolve it like adults in 10 K or something like that. You don't stretch it out for a hundred thousand words and make it your pivotal plot device. I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I can't tell you how much I hate it. It's like, because, com- because apparently communication isn't a thing. Yeah, and and sometimes you see the misunderstanding on your screen going, how, uh, even, even communication challenged adults wouldn't have this misunderstanding, because are realistic, or realistically, that character would have gone, why the fuck are you saying that awful thing about me? And the other character would go, I'm not saying something awful about you, I think you misheard me. Well, what did you say? And that's how that would go down. They wouldn't just go, oh, I'm going to sell my house and move to Timbuktu because this character said that I have a big butt. I mean, it's just, that's not the way that goes. And then the character goes, I didn't see you have a big butt. I said you had a big dick. And they're like, oh, oh, well, I, I sold all my possessions and I moved away and I left you because I thought you thought I had a big ass. <laughs> Care, this is just this kind well, of is, did you even ask them if they like a big ass <laughs> yeah right it's just it's just it drives me it drives me bonkers i just can't do it i can't do it and it was a big thing for i would say more in the 90s the misunderstanding became a really big thing in romances and it's just the whole plot hinged on people not talking to each other and not ever getting indignant. Because usually what happens is one character has to get upset for the misunderstanding to work. This is the way, the, typically the formula is one character has to get upset and quietly disappear. 
And that just drives me crazy. It's like, okay, professional victim, go away. (laughs) 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 I'm voting you off the island. Um... So, oh yeah, and then go off and have a secret, secret baby. Yeah, I'm just not interested in reading about prison life. Uh, prison AUs are just like I really don't like reading about Harry and Azkaban. Thank you very much. Especially, uh, especially in the Harry Potter fandom. But I mean, there are, there are other fandoms. Every every fandom does that. The prison AU. Um, I'm not interested. Yeah, I also I don't watch Orange Is the New Black. Just to be perfectly frank. Yeah. Yeah, I did have one where Harry starts out in Azkaban, but that's just how it opens. Because Hermione uses the magic of Azkaban to 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 um to fuel a time travel ritual, so she blows it to Kingdom Come. <laughs> okay. As they, as they leave, <laughs> I haven't posted it yet. I mean, if it's Lady Holder, all of them are work in progress. File. Also, if you're going to if. Okay, so this this is part of it. Is it depends upon? I have read, you know, I have read an occasional prison story where I'm like, okay, but usually it's because the character's in prison for something they didn't do or whatever, and then they get out, and it gets, you know, it's sort of Shawshank Redemption ish, but hopefully not as long as he was actually in prison. Um, that's fine if it's done well, but it's generally just not something I want to read. But especially when my when my unicorn is actually a criminal, no. And actually, in that vein, I don't like any tropes that make my unicorn a criminal. I'm not interested in reading mob AUs. Um, no, no, not really. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in reading Tony Dinozo getting tired of how he's being treated badly by his team, and his response to that is to totally overreact and go shack up with a drug dealer, um, or probably a drug distributor. You know, like full on somebody who's like you know from running a cartel or something. Um, that's just ridiculous. That's character assassination, and I don't like it. I don't dig it. I don't want to see day-to-day prison things happening, and I don't want to see prison rape happening, and that often is featured in those things. I just, I don't want it, no. No, I really, no, it's just... Mm-mm. Secret baby. Like, there's variations on that. that I like in, in Small Magic, Feely fathers a child before he goes on um, the quest. So he doesn't know about the baby yet, but um, it wasn't because she was, you know, keeping it from him. And also, Harry Potter has a daughter that he left behind on Earth, and he doesn't know it. So there's two, but it wasn't like what I hate about the secret baby is like this is especially egregious, and it happens in Harry Potter all the time. Is that Hermione gets pregnant um, with Harry's baby, and she runs off and she hides from him, and she hides the baby. Um, for years and then when he finds out he forgives her she's literally taken his heart's desire for no discernible reason and gone into hiding and he forgives her she's done the cruelest thing she could possibly do to someone she called her best friend and he forgives her how about no yeah how about a big fat fucking no I hate that I hate that particular trope in Harry Potter I never liked the secret baby. It can be as long as there's not something that makes me that challenges my perception of a character, and that's where it comes down to with some of these tropes is the way they're often implemented. It it fucks with the characterization of the character. So you know, a character I'm supposed to like has taken off with, has hidden um, 
someone's child from them. It's like, and and then you find out when the child's ten or twelve or something. Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, there is some asshole right now thinking about writing me an email. Maybe like right now, like literally in this chat room or listening to the podcast later about how I wrote in Small Magic that um, Luna ran off with Harry's baby. During the war, she went into hiding because she was pregnant with his baby. True. But that Harry Potter, his heart's desire wouldn't have been that baby. Harry's That Harry Potter, his heart's desire, if he looked into the mirror of whatever that was, mirror of Ezraud or whatever how you say it, his desire, he would have saw when he first came to Earth, Bilbo Baggins and Bag End. That's what he would have seen in the mirror. And on the day, and on the day he left, he would have seen Bilbo Baggins, Bag End, and Hermione Granger. Yeah. Those would that would have been his heart's desire. Yeah, because he, he he didn't have that longing for family in the same way. Because he had um, a family already, and if he'd have known about the baby, of course he would have wanted her, you know. And he does want her now that he has her, and he's furious that Luna was killed. But it isn't the same circumstance of Hermione having a one night stand with Harry and then running off and having his baby and never telling yeah, him. Yeah, because sometimes you have a one night stand with somebody and that person gets pregnant, and, and for whatever reason that they, they may not. I mean, I've seen it. There's there's some stories out there where Tony finds out he's got a kid, where something happens to the mother, but it was a one night stand and he had no clue, and for whatever reason the mom chose not to tell him about it. Um, it's like okay, but yeah, Malia was a secret baby, but Malia, it. I mean. It was kind of the circumstances, but that's not, it's a little bit, that's a little bit different. The circumstances around Malia and Teen Wolf is a, is a little bit ugly all the way around, but it, it kind of probably hits a weird note because she was never intended to be there. I mean, obviously it was obvious that Peter's child was intended to be Jackson, um, but the actor left the show. And so they wrote in secret baby. Although technically Jackson would have been a secret baby. Because he was adopted, right? Jackson. I don't know. What do you, what do you mean? But yeah, Jack Jackson was that's that was the whole you know, her whole impetus behind the uh the Canama was that that Jackson was adopted and all of that. And Jackson was a lot like Peter. So um it you know, it is my headcanon that Jackson actually is Peter's son. Um but that that was the way that was headed, but the actor left the show. So um uh, I mean I didn't see the part of uh, that part of the show. Um, I've read some of the transcripts of that stuff, but it's a little, I'm not, I'm not exactly certain what all was confirmed because I didn't read all the transcripts that covered the stuff of the desert wolf, but all the memories of it were taken from him by Talia. So that's why he didn't know he had a child. That's why nobody knew he had a child. So it conceivably anything that we find out could have been, um, false, right? It could have all been false. So, uh, I don't. It's just, it's 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 weird. It's weird. It's like I don't know why they needed to put that plot line in there. Um, they wanted to do this thing with the, you know, I don't, I just did. I think it was kind of a, a weak plot line. They were looking for things to do, and I just think they could have done better than that. Nick's what? Well, okay, but they could have introduced a female character that wasn't done. That wasn't a secret baby. It, you know, and you know they're trying to you know prevent the the Styles Derek angle, so they put in a different hail. It, it didn't have to be a hail. All they had to do was put in a 
a, a female character that Styles started dating. Whatever. It it it's thin. It's thin. Okay, so looking at my list of of hate of of not liked tropes. Um, there I have a lot of fandom specific tropes that that I don't. Well, we talked about Wump, um, but actually this isn't fandom specific. I don't like the designated crier trope. It's not actually. A, I don't know. This is actually, that's what I call it, but it's where fandom chooses the one character in the fandom that is going to be super emo and cry at the drop of the hat. Um, in uh, in NCIS, it's Tony. In um, MCU, it's Tony Stark. It's also Tony. It's the Tonys, the crying Tonys. Uh, Styles, Blair, yeah. For I, what little I, I, you know, Kai, what little I have read of supernatural fanfic tells me that I absolutely know what you mean. That um, Sam is a designated crier. Uh, but Dean is a designated person to be whumped. So it's interesting because usually the wumpy and the designated crier are. Oh, well, that's true. He does cry a lot in the show. But usually the designated crier and the wumpy are the same person, but Supernatural is fandom a little bit differently than that. But it, it's fandom picks a character and they make them the designated crier. And and I really hate the. It, it's. I don't even know. It's not exactly. It's more like a character trope than a story trope where it's just this character's going to cry all the time. And the thing is, in most of these contexts, when it comes to like Tony Stark, Tony Dinozo, Styles, there's no foundation for this. I mean, I think you see Dinozo cry like twice in the entire run of the series. Um, Styles once or twice. Uh, and there's major impetus for that, right? They just aren't crying at the drop of a hat. Blair cried cry once, I think. He cried over that girl. Yeah. Just once. She, Buffy, she broke his heart. Yeah. Buffy cried a lot in fa- in canon, but Xander cried a lot in fanon. So, you know, it's just it, it that for me as a as a character trope, I really just can't stand it cuz I just I don't think especially when it comes to I have to say it bothers me the most with Denozo because Federer, you don't you don't keep your gun when you're that emotionally unhinged. You, you're not going <laughs> to no. you're not going to pass your psyche valve. It just doesn't work that way. Um I think it is part of the who am I going to feminize and turn into the woman thing. It, although some authors, I it, that may not be their intention, but I I do think that there is a my impression is that authors are trying to make these male characters more relatable. But frankly, I don't want to read female characters crying all the time. I just don't no. want to read characters cry. It just is, that's just not the way life works. You don't get to just cry all the time. So besides, I only cry when I'm furious. Yeah, and if you write if you write a character who cries and they're furious, I will totally relate. Just don't do it all the time. I just the story starts to get soggy. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're stomping around tear puddles around here. I just can't deal. <laughs> um, the non magical AU for Harry Potter. I don't. Ugh. Generally, don't don't take my hook away. That's that's the thing, right? Don't. There's usually, and especially in many of these types of fantasy fantasy subgenres, there's usually a hook that appeals to me, right? Don't take it away. Don't take don't away take the, away the magic or the werewolves. A sent, I mean, a, a Jim Blair story where there's no sentinel guide. Are you out of your mind? I mean, that's actually probably the biggest AU sin is the mundane sentinel fic, right? Is writing a core, uh, a core Jim Blair story where there's no sentinel guide. It's like, 
it's it's the trope that fired a million fix and you want to take it away from the characters who are the sentinel in the guide are you out of your mind no but yeah so don't take the don't take the shifters away i mean i have to admit i've done it i did it in the when i made sentinel but i gave them something else i didn't just make them mundane i, I made them sentinels instead but in that vein i also cannot stand to read a modern hobbit au oh no 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 Although I did talk to some, well, actually, I shouldn't reveal somebody else's plot. Never mind. What the fuck am I about to do? Shut up, Jelly. Quiet. Um, <laughs> Thorn is just a short, homeless guy. Um, <laughs> I don't like high school AUs either, especially. I, I will read a coffee shop AU every day and twice on Sunday before I'll read one high school AU. Um, if I want to read, because honestly, if I want to read a high school AU, I'll just go. I don't need to read an AU. I can just go read a Ho- Ho- Hogwarts era. No, let's go read a Hogwarts era <laughs> T- Harry Potter story. That's fucking high school. So, but most of the, I have to admit, most of the, most of the Teen Wolf stories I like are either later in the series or they're not focused on what's going on at school. But the, the inner dynamics of people at, at high school, you know, going to and from classes and, getting their books out of their lockers and you know dynamics in the cafeteria i could give two fucks i no. you know honestly the only au i would willing to be um i'd be on board with is the sky high crossover i mean yes if you want to stick the avengers in sky high i'm there for it or the teen or the teen wolf cast <laughs> Ellie, I am so eager for that. I, that was I was I was I was uh I was in 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 sprints with you one night when you were working on power placement class. She's on chapter six. She's gotten past her plotting. Awesome. I'm just saying. I'm on board with the sky high AU. Otherwise, no. Yeah. I did read one college AU that was I'm, I'm only i only i don't remember the name of this somebody else could try to find it i thought it was entertaining which was it was one of those remember i talked about necks and throats the shared mm-hmm. shared universe where like the people own there's necks and throat is a an erogenous zone for werewolves so they focus on photography so styles gets a, mod, a, a modeling job he's derek's his roommate and they don't get along in college and um styles gets a modeling job to help pay for stuff because he's got a really long neck, right? So, and so he keeps coming back to their room, smelling like other werewolves, and it's pissing Derek off, like left, right, and center. So that one was pretty. But it wasn't focused on college. It was. It was more of the college was the, um, was this was the how they met. It was the, kind of the backdrop for how they met. But it was really more of this modeling thing. So I don't remember the name of it. If somebody else could try to find that story, that particular story, there's a bunch of necks and throat stories by different authors, but the one where they meet in college is the one that I specifically remember. Um, yeah, I agree. So the, the original definition of a fusion, there's a couple different definitions of a fusion. So the, the original definition of a fusion was where you take the characters from show A and you put them into show B and you see how it goes. So it'd be like taking, you know, the cast of NCIS and you make them a Stargate team where like Gibbs is the team leader and, you know, like Tony is maybe the munitions expert and, um, you know, McGee is the, Abby's a scientist, maybe McGee is, you know, sort of your pseudo Rodney or whatever. Anyway, you do that, right? And then you see how Stargate would shake out with the, that was the original definition of a fusion. Um, and yes, I agree 
that it is really irritating when you see a story like that and all the events happen the exact same way, even though you have a different set of characters. Because what, no what is the fucking point of doing that? You just wanted to write those events with this different group? It's just, it's crazy cakes. The other kind of fusion is more like a world building fusion, which is where you like build, where you like fuse the world building of like the Sentinel or werewolves or whatever into a show that doesn't have that. So, um, the only thing left on my list to talk about is Rule sixty three. I wrote Rule sixty three, so I don't hate it, but I do have qualifications around it. Um, there was a there was a time when I loathed rule 63 i found it infuriating and um but i came across something that changed my mind uh but i still if i see somebody writing rule 63 and i go check out the body of their work and they have changed every slash pairing that they could possibly write into a rule 63 i'm not gonna read their work no because i'm gonna assume they're homophobic and they're only changing one of them into a woman so they can write the pairing. And, I mean, I was really active in fandom when Rule 63 came up. And it was entrenched in homophobia. That's where yeah. it started. It was people wanting to write these pairings that they saw being popular. And it, I'm not sure that they even saw the... Sometimes I wondered, like, did they really see the chemistry of these characters on screen um, and want to write it? Or did they see that people were, were getting attention and, or being being popular in fandom for writing this pairing. I'm never quite sure which was the actual motivation. It could be a combination or one or the other. But what I saw was, and they flat out say that, you know, oh, I, I, I really wanted to write this pairing, but I, you know, ew, slash gross. And so they, it was totally rooted in homophobia. So um, I, I was vehemently opposed to it for, most of my fandom life uh and then i started seeing like actual slash slash writers people i knew wrote slash doing it i was like okay i'm confused and they just really wanted to explore that but i will say one of the other reasons why even with people who i uh, even with authors i know who are slash writers or who i might normally give a chance it still will often bother me because i find if the character is completely unchanged, it doesn't resonate. If they're too changed from the character I enjoy, I'm not enjoy I'm not gonna like it. So right. it, it is a tricky balance to find a character that is one that I think is well suited to Rule 63 at all, um, where they are still recognizable as the character I enjoy, and yet the author is accounted for in a way, accounted for how being a different gender their whole life would change things so um i work hard to, to find that balance in hold my coffee with um with meredith um but it wasn't easy writing oh thanks dart there were times when i felt like i was straying too close to the male version of of, of mckay and i would have to kind of like go back and tweak scenes and rewrite them um because McKay's one of my favorite characters. And so I had to give Meredith some vulnerabilities that Rodney does not have. Uh, and so that was like, because Rodney is vulnerable in his own way, but it's not remotely feminine. Um, and finding that balance with Meredith is, is 
you sometimes you balance on a knife. It's you know it's hard, and if it's yeah. not hard, you're not doing it right. <laughs> yeah, it should be work, you know, to completely change a character like that. So it it still for me is it is ninety nine percent on my disliked tropes list. Um, the ones I like are an exception for because like I said it, it like we said it's very difficult to strike that balance where the character resonates as the same character and yet they're different enough to make it realistic and some characters are actually I don't think very adaptable to being recognizable after a gender change like that so after being rule 63 um, yeah I agree I think Dark Serafina writes very good female Tony Dinozo. Probably the only time I've ever read Tony Dinozo female that I enjoyed it. So not that I've read a ton because it's it's not a tro- it's not a it's not a trope I seek out. So um, no, and actually, it's a trope that's really like an exception to the rule for me. Like I'm not really gonna read that. Maybe including a click on it. <laughs> I don't seek it out. Yeah, and I'll give it a shot with some authors. If I, was a, if I know the author, I'll give it a shot. Um, but some characters, it's more my my limitation. Like I, you know, I, I'll read. Kira's Meredith, but I've tried to read the your your girl Bilbo stories. Yeah, and it's not it's not that the character's not good. That's not that's not it at all. It's my hard stop is I like Bilbo exactly the way he is. So, <laughs> and he realistically unicorn. <laughs> he, it, he realistically would have to be different um, to be to you know if if you're. With, and he is different. You know, Bella is different than Bilbo. So yeah. I, I read it and I go, that's not Bilbo. And like somebody said, well, think of it as an OC. And I go, but I don't want to read Thorne with an OC. I want to read him with Bilbo. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So quit, quit trying to give me tricks that don't help. Um, now, see, that's another thing. I could not read Girl. Um, I could not read Girl Harry. Not on a bit. No, me either. I just can't. I can read a girl turning to Nozo. I have. Um, she did a great job on that, Dark Serafina. Um, I can read a girl Rodney. I actually prefer a girl Rodney over a girl John, although I did really read a really good one once with with, with John um, as a girl. Um, not always a girl, but turned into a girl and decided to say that way. Um, Har- Harvest Adams is is special because Harvest Adams is actually trans. Yeah. Harvest, um, well. I don't know if I don't know if she actually does the full transition or not. If she d- decides to go by female pronouns or or not during that, because I th- I think I've read the first two. I um, always interpreted I always interpreted Harvest as being gender fluid. Yeah, G- yeah, okay, gender fluid. I agree. Gender fluid is how I saw Harvest, but I didn't read the whole series. Um, but read, Harvest read, is is Harry who killed the Dursleys. Yeah, so Har- I didn't have any issues with. I've read. Um, I've read Trans Harry, and that was fine. The story I read that I specifically can think of that was trans. Um, um, that story's not online. But anymore. Harvest is Harvest. <laughs> yeah, Harvest is Harvest is different. Harvest Harvest is Harvest is Harvest. But I did read a trans story. Harry started off more. He was a boy who liked to wear girl women's clothes so more cross-dressing kind of thing and then as time progressed eventually trend it did gender confirmation so but that was that was you know completely different it was still hairy it was it wasn't hairy that grew up on a um could someone get the link for harvest adams 
um, it wasn't a Harry that grew up as a grew up female was born and, and grew up female. So um, I don't know. I don't remember the name of the store. I know it's not available online anymore because uh, uh, I tried to find it for somebody one day and um, there had been other people um, looking for it on live journal. This was a few years ago when I was even trying to find it. Oh, I and, love John Watson as an Adams. That was fantastic. Um, Nighthurst. So rule 63 is just generally, and for me, a lot of times it's like, even sometimes when it's done well, it pushes my buttons because of, you know, all of the, you know, the, the, the wars and the, all the ugliness around that for so many years. And, um, so even when I like really trust a writer and I know they're going to do a good job with it, I really have to kind of be in the right headspace to want to read rule 63. Um, and I, I read the story where Hermione was trans, but I did read the story where Hermione was intersexed and Ron broke up with her because her, her dick was bigger than his. Of course he would. It's just the kind of thing he would do. Now I would, um, I would, I would, I, but I, Harry I, didn't have a problem with her dick being bigger. Because it wasn't bigger than his. <laughs> right. So I just got a private question from somebody. And they asked if I would read trans stories. If I have the same thumb at them as I do about. No. I don't have a problem reading a trans story. If the, if the story is written well. To me it's a completely different thing than Rule 63. Because writing a character who's um, going through that. And, and decides to, to make that transition. And confirm. Do their gender confirmation. And, and I don't know. Anthony becomes an, an Antonia or some people like a, a more distinct name change or whatever. I don't have any problem with that. If it's well written, I'm all in. That is a very different thing to me than rule 63. I don't think of them as being at all the same. So, um, and I do think sometimes people conflate those two, those two and it isn't, I don't think writing a character that's trans is the same thing as writing rule 63. So that's my opinion. If you have a different opinion about it, I really don't care. I would have a problem reading a transgendered story. Um, you would. I have- agree. I wouldn't, but I, okay. I, I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. I mean, I just you know, I think it'd be a really interesting thing to read. I'm not sure I could write it well, so I wouldn't write it. Um, but I do agree that it's not the same as Rule 63, because Rule 63 they are always a girl or always a boy, so it isn't like there's an entire set of different. There's a issues going on that are quite different. Also, I would not personally. I personally don't read, I don't even attempt to read uh, Rule 63 with female characters because one of the reasons why, the reason that I'm willing to deal with that people write Rule 63 is because of the dearth of good female characters. And so they take a male character and explore them being female. I, I get that, okay? There is no lack of good male characters. So taking a female character and making them male for the purpose of writing, I just, no, I wouldn't. It's really, it really bothers me. So I don't care how well, well done it is. I wouldn't read it. I agree. I wouldn't read it either. And that, that probably sounds, I don't know, sexist or something, but I don't care. Well, I don't think, I don't think it's, maybe it does sound sexist to somebody, but I don't think it's, it's not rooted in sexism. It's about, you know, the, the, the basic. It'd be like making Terrell a, a boy. Well, they were already a fuck ton of sausage in the Hobbit. <laughs> we don't need another right. one. <laughs> we don't need another one. <laughs> right. That's, that's the problem is that there, we have so few really good female characters we want to write about. Um, and so to take a male character, I mean, take, a, take one of the, one of the good ones, like take, if somebody took Melinda May and wrote them in the mail, I would be so 
serious. I'd be like, no, I don't know. So I mean, you do what you want to do. I'm just not going to read it. It's just not something I would want to. We had a whole podcast about Mary Sue's. It's not even the Mary Sue thing. It's just they're flat and uninteresting. Others just have no dimension. And that's the pro- my problem with the characters is that they're just underdeveloped. Um, they often are plot devices. You know, they're there to serve a function. And, you know. And so when we ha- when we get a good one, and the- here's the thing. Sometimes when we get a good one, they're in a ship I like in canon. Example was the closer. We talked about um, Brenda Lee Johnson. Um, and I sh- I shipped her with Fritz, so she you know she needs to stay Fritz. there. I, so I'm not gonna write I'm not gonna write her with you know Tony Dinozo because she's needs to be with who she's with. Because someone suggested her when I was when I was trying to think of female part, you know pairings for Tony, um, and somebody suggested Brandley. I'm like, no, what are you are you nuts? I'm not gonna bust bust to break. What about what about Fritz? So I'm break Fritz's heart because <laughs> he loves Brenda Lee. It really does. So that's just that's just not that's just not okay. Um, you know so, he loves her because he puts up with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But so if somebody took Brenda Lee and made Brenda Lee Brandon, I'd be like, "What is no? Are you nuts? We got we got this character we love. We got a female character who's got depth. She's got flaws, but she's still likable. Because sometimes they give them flaws and make them unlikable. But she's got she's flawed. She got she's flawed. She's likable. We relate to her. We want her to you know cover for you know another missing body. We just we, we really want this kind of stuff from her. And somebody just turns around, takes this one female character that I really like, and makes them male. And I'd be like. You do you, but I ain't touching it. <laughs> no. I, even if Kira wrote it, I'd be like, no. Actually, I'd be looking for pods. I'd be calling Lady Holder and say, you got to call her <laughs> husband, see if she's okay. Because what is she doing? And what happened to Fritz? <laughs> what happened to Fritz? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> Don't do it. Now, there are also, I do have, within fandoms, the most, most loathed fandom-specific tropes. Um... Like things, tropes that are just specific to a single fandom that drive me absolutely bonkers. Okay. Um, like um, Tony having temper tantrums, or oh, Tony, no, Tony with Tony. That's the the one that drives you the most crazy. The fandom specific trope with Tony is the overshare, where Tony meets somebody and just dumps on somebody he's just met or he's known for like a hot minute. All of the. Um, horrible things his team has done to him for the last 10 years. I'm like, oh, no. Actually, I guess the overshare is a trope I don't like in any fandom, but I see it a lot in NCIS. Um, don't overshare. Over, overshares make everybody uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable just reading it. <laughs> it's like, please don't. You got to carry the overshare thing for a second. I got I to gotta step away from that. I have no idea what you're talking about because I got lost. I, I lost and had to reconnect. So what? Oh, I was saying that my the, the overshare trope, where a character you know who's in difficult circumstances meets some somebody who that they you know like or that is sympathetic, and they dump all of their woes and worries and past you know the mistreatment of the team on them, and overshares everything. And I was saying the overshare, you see it a lot in NCIS with Tony oversharing, but it isn't specific to NCIS. You just see it a lot there. Okay. Um, I do see it a lot in NCIS. There's only one thick out there that I thought would, that was done really well, and that Tony really didn't overshare. He was just talking about his own worries. 
And Rossi was like, you need to get it out before that bitch kills you. <laughs> and he really didn't hear a lot. and There wasn't a lot said. But what he had said had made Rossi like, dude, no. Dude, no. Seriously. <laughs> You're not going to make it. <laughs> but, um... <clears throat> I think that oversharing thing also goes into that idea, like when someone loses their temper, that they just kind of unload and just reveal every single thing that this person has ever done in a million years that was wrong. And they get super abusive while they're doing it. Um, and it's just like, whoa, dude. And don't throw that stapler. <laughs> because the only thing worse in NCIS than the one-sided phone conversation is Tony having a psychotic meltdown in the middle of the bullpen? I mean, that, that gets your gun taken away. <laughs> they call for the padded, padded, patty, the padded, you know, ambulance taken away in the straitjacket. That's just federal agents I mean, don't do that. It is like Tony having a screaming fit and throwing and crying and throwing his stapler. I mean, it's just like um, the whole toddler thing. Someone's saying it's, it's, not, it's, it's not unrealistic to overshare. People do overshare in real life. I absolutely agree. People overshare in real life. But somebody like Tony, who has, if he's been putting up from shitty behavior from his team for a decade, does not meet another federal agent and they go out for a beer and Tony unloads all of that on them. It doesn't make any sense. And that is such a pervasive thing that I see in the in NCIS. And also, you see him revealing things that he should not really reveal that are probably classified that would get him put in prison. Yeah. Specifics about, you know, Jenny's op with the frog. And I've seen stories where he reveals, um, um, like, what happened, all the stuff that happened with Jenny or, or th that the CIA covered it up and revealed that. Like, he can't tell people that. So it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense that he would do that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, having a full blown temper tantrum in the work environment can ruin your life. It can, your career could be over. So, and depending on how far gone you gone, you could end up in jail. In some cases you see Tony doing things that realistically would, would put him in federal prison. He's dropping, you know, thousands of, of, pages of classified documents on a reporter on his way out the door. That's how you go to prison. Yeah. That's more of like a bit more of a character trope, but it's the wrong character trope. One I don't like. I understand people relate to it. I totally get why some people would want to read it. I don't like it. I don't like, and this is especially true with in, in Stargate Atlantis, um, Rodney having a negative self-image and having more poor body um He's negative about his his body. It drives me crazy. It drives me. I hate the I hate the whole. I never thought you'd want to be with somebody like me, or I'm not attractive enough for you. It it drives me nuts. It drives me absolutely nuts. Um, attraction is so sub uh, subjective. One of the most offensive things that came out of Hold My Coffee is that there were certain people who were like, "I can't believe you cast her to play a female McKay. She's so attractive." Well, number one, if McKay had been female, they would have cast an extremely attractive woman to play her. Okay? Two, David Hewlett is not unattractive. I agree. He's not. He's, He's not. actually a very attractive person. 
he's a good person and he is um he's just he's just just genuinely attractive what they're okay this is somebody who's equating attractive attractiveness with weight so they're saying anybody's got any extra weight on them isn't attractive which is bullshit and we need to get over that he's actually lost that weight he carried in the show he's really thin now and i'm like are you sick are you okay do you want a cookie <laughs> well he, he, he also lost weight during he also lost weight during the course of the show um yeah but he was never unattractive he always had a great butt so I mean, we talk about his great ass and it's thick he's got a, his face is good and he's got wide shoulders and his hands are lovely i mean you know he's yeah. just a really attractive person and it was so offensive to have more than one person point out that the female actress that i'd, I'd cax to play the female mckay was too attractive as if to say that the actor that played McKay was ugly. And also some people, with, at, at different p points in time, based upon society's, you know, perceptions of attractiveness, um, Stana Kotick would not have been considered attractive. She's got an incredibly right. strong, she's got an incredibly strong jaw. She's got large features. And there have been times when that was not, it was actually the advent of the supermodel, really, that made the kind of feature set very attractive in women, you know, features that were visible more from a distance as opposed to the softer, more oval shaped face, the less strong jaw. So there are times when she would not have been considered the Stanakotic is the actress she cast as, as uh, Meredith. Um, so attractiveness is, is, is it, it's something that it's also, it's a very personalized thing who you find attractive. Um, I'm very attracted to people with, um, nice hands i find hands incredibly appealing uh so you know yeah yeah i'm with you ellie eyes ass and voice are good too so what you find attractive is is, is it's it's a people it's very subjective and and the, the the standards for attractiveness change over time so it's the just, intelligence is very attractive and david oh. himself is very attractive um in that regard he's I mean, he's a smart man He's, he's talented, he's creative, and creativity is like, you give me somebody who's really creative, that is like, that's hot. It, that is, creativity is really hot. And he, um, I think that his intelligence comes through in how, in the character, right? I don't think they could, could have had a Dodo playing Rodney McKay. They'd have been, no. you know, they'd have been screwing up the lines all the time. They'd have had to have cut some of the more, you know, scientific dialogue out for an actor who was less intelligent. But, so, I, it drives me nuts when I, I, I understand, I do feel, this is my opinion, folks, and if you, please don't, it, you don't have to agree with me about any of this. You never do. You like what you like. But to me, that body image thing is not something that I, I feel like it's someone trying to um, write the characters more relatable to women. And that women are going to relate to a character who has body image issues. Um, I, I just don't like it. I'm not, interested, I'm not interested in reading about it for women either. So I have no double standard on this. I don't like reading women. I, I don't need to read about characters who have perfect physical bodies. That's not it. I'm not looking for that at all. I just don't want to read massive insecurity. I don't want to read a story with a woman in it who wants to have sex with the lights off because she doesn't want him to see her, that her tummy's round. Who cares? Let's get it on. <laughs> It's like I can't have sex with like, I can't have sex with you in the dark. I wouldn't know where to how to aim when I'm about to spank your ass. So you know, <laughs> turn the fucking lights on. It's just like that's just, it's just. I don't, I have to admit I don't like a flat butt personally because it's not very spankable. 
<laughs> You'll be hitting the butt bone, and, that, and that's just not fun for anybody. It's just, I got standards, right? So it's like, I got ass standards. But aim is important, but aim is, you know, you can be a little off when someone's got a nice, got some junk in the trunk. You can't, when someone's got a tiny, tiny butt, it's, you got to get that aim dead on. You're smacking them in the tailbone, and that is nobody's fun. That's that's not fun for anybody. Um, well, that's true. Lo- yeah, no one wants no one wants to bang under fluorescent lighting, but <laughs> for no variety, one looks, no one looks good under fluorescent lighting. <laughs> like, has my skin always been that green? Um, <laughs> but you know, it's just. I like reading characters that have positive self-image. It doesn't matter if they're 10 pounds overweight. They get in, get naked, and get going. You know, just do it. I don't like reading someone who's massively insecure and feels like they're unlovable. I could see Rodney being insecure about other things, but I just, when it's body image, it just drives me bonkers. (laughs) For your awkward bingo card banging under fluorescent lights. That would be awkward. I mean, it would like, that would be awkward for anybody. You could be a fucking supermodel and be like, no. <laughs> this, like, this doesn't look good. It's like, oh my god, that's really, that's really highlighting everything that is just not right with my skin right now. Have my pores always been this big? What? <laughs> you can park a seven forty seven and the pores on my nose. <laughs> You're sitting there going, "Wow, I didn't realize I had a chair on my arms." You know, it's just it's everything. <laughs> Fluorescent lighting is kind to no one. So, um, night jeep. But so there are some things that you see occurring with characters that are more like character tropes that it's just like, let's not let's I like I like body positivity. I like characters who are sensual, who like having sex, who um, I don't like to see somebody. That that whole trope of um, I'm not lovable. mm -hmm. I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. Everybody's lovable. Even Hitler had a girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) I've read. I've read many a story where Rodney has difficulty with relationships because of his personality, which I think is realistic. But going to I'm unlovable, uh, let's let's just let's not take let's not jump to extremes here. Um, let's see. Uh, so there are some things people do with characters in commonly that I just we talked about the designated crier, the character that cries all the time. Um, Can we talk about whore Kirk? <sighs> Well, can we stop slut shaming him? Even if he is right sleeping around the galaxy, and he wouldn't be a whore because he's what's he selling? But even if he is, you know, slutting around the galaxy, who cares? Slut shaming? We need to be over this. I don't know why it's a thing in that fandom, but it is prevalent. And it's just and it, like what? No, stop. And it, and it wasn't as bad as fandom ever made it out to be, and it certainly isn't a thing in the reboot. I mean, he might sleep around. Yeah. A little- he didn't sleep around. He, I mean, what he said, they, we see him sleep around with a couple people, right? He, they're flirting. He was basically in the equivalent of college, right? When he was. That's what you do. That's what, that's, <laughs> and it isn't just a guy saying, I mean, that's, everybody sleeps their way through college. It's just, that's everybody's slut phase. <laughs> Some people don't end their slut phase, and that's fine. They can do whatever the fuck they want. My slut phase went on for a really long time. <laughs> Although it was, my slut face sort of morphed into uh, anybody who wants to sit still for a spanking face. It's just a lifestyle choice at this point. How many people can I flog in one night? I gave myself tendonitis one night. That's how long. <laughs> so the doctor's like, how, how did you, you explain do that? that to the doctor? Well, I, I did eventually tell him exactly what I did. And he kind of went, less than six huh. hours next time. That'd be great. 
<laughs> I was I had to wear I was in a I was in a um a sling for like three weeks or something like that. It was it was a long wow. time. I, my shoulder was fucked up. He told me he he, he recommended that I learn to flog ambidextrously. I was like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> so you can't really afford to put your right out of arm out of commission like this, so <laughs> I I know many people who who have never chosen to have sex. Um We'd had so much fun, Twy. <laughs> but I've met I've met many people who've chosen not to have sex, you know. And some of them I've spanked. So, you know, those things are definitely not at all equivalent. But you know, we've talked about we've talked before about virginity being a social construct. It doesn't mean anything. It, so it, not- it has zero meaning, it has zero value to me. If if I had never had sex, I still wouldn't call myself a virgin. Because it implies that I am somehow um, not complete until a man sticks his dick in me. That I will be trans, or I, I will be changed by this penis that's getting inserted into my body and become something else. I will become not a virgin. That's just <laughs> that makes me want to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> like what? I have I'm news. I had that penis put in me. It didn't change me. Yeah. No. Um, it was not transformative. So while it's true that not everybody has a slut phase, that is true. Not everybody has a slut phase. Um, I mean, um, at most it might have been derivative. <laughs> I think we all do go through some kind of phase that is related to coming into our own, being younger, being a little, maybe a little bit out of control. I, I did know um, at this one dungeon I was more actively involved in, there was this this young woman well she was pushing 30 she wasn't young she hadn't had i don't think she's really that interested in sex but her slut phase was going through every damn dom in the dungeon to find the one who caned her the way she liked (laughs) did did she find her dream come true she did she did um good job and um it was their relationship was was interesting because uh they did wind up in a relationship the dom she the dom had a full-time partner though um and she wound up moving in with them, and she wasn't interested. She never was interested in having sex with them, but she was just all in for someone for getting cane on a regular basis. So she, they had they they worked out their relationship in a way that worked for them. I I never quite understood all the I, I never knew under all the specifics of it. But um, the word slut and whore. I mean, really, uh, like I said on Facebook the other day, um, having multiple partners doesn't make you a whore. Not putting your cart in the proper place after you um you put your groceries in your car makes you a whore. <laughs> I've never had a problem with the term slut. I know it really bothers some people. And yes, it is used negatively, it's used pejoratively, but it doesn't personally bother me at all. Um so it and I agree slut doesn't have to mean sex. Maybe you just have a sexy phase or you just have a whatever it is that turns you on phase. Pick your word. Most of us go through it own it make it your own yeah they are used yeah they are used words used to shame people and even women use but them to shame so people. is the word pussy and i love the word pussy and cunt cunt's great cocksucker is awesome i see i have no the thing is i don't somebody told me we were talking about that we shouldn't somebody said that we shouldn't be using um cunt or pussy because i called somebody a cunt one day or something i said we shouldn't be using that um pejoratively because of you know 
for all the reasons we all know. And I said, well, the thing is, I'm not going to stop calling people a dick. So I don't see why I should have a, you know, I'm not giving up calling, you know, that guy a dick or an asshole or a prick. So why would I have to give up cunt and pussy? I just am not going to do it. <laughs> I especially like twat. I called somebody yeah, a twat the other twat, day. Yeah. My, my husband laughed his ass off. He said, can you say that again? Because you sound like, I don't even want to tell you guys this because it's going to become a thing. He said, you, you sound like Pebbles Flintstone cussing. <laughs> and I was like, you twat. <laughs> what you should do is go, go put your hair in a ponytail on top of your head. <laughs> I don't have enough hair to do that anymore. I cut all of it off. That's too you probably got it. You probably got enough hair to, to get some kind of little ponytail going the on. The little twig. Yeah. The little, way up, way up on top. And then go in and call him a twat. <laughs> But I, the thing is, I, I, I'm keeping all the genitals on t- on the table as 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 insults. I'm keep, I'm just doing it. I'm it's across the board. I'm equal opportunity insulting of calling people. Basically, what you're saying is you're a genital, and, you know. <laughs> and since I want to keep the dick, I'm keeping the cunt. It's just that's the way it's going to go. And if you don't like it, you don't have to use it. <laughs> Some people glory in making you feel ashamed of yourself or your circumstances no matter what your circumstances are um whether you have too much money or no money or whether you dress really well or you dress like shit or you've got a designer bag or your bag came from walmart or um but walmart has some cute handbags just saying um it there's you know whether you've had a whole lot of sex or no sex they're gonna judge you and find some fault with you to make them to make them feel better about themselves. So don't give that. Don't give them any weight. Tell them to suck my dick. But the thing is, if we if we if we eliminated these things, people, if we eliminated the, the whatever this is around, um, whether it's words around a sexual activity or lack of sexual activity, like the words like frigid or um, slut or whore, or if we, if we limited those, it'd be something else. People are going to find some way to try to shame people because that's what people do. It, it's going to be something. So, you know, I think if they, I mean, if there were times in my life if somebody had called me a slut, I'd have just been like, what's your point? <laughs> are you trying to say something with that? Don't be mad because you can't get laid. You're just mad I'm not fucking you. You gotta be this tall for this ride. I'm curious, Kate. Your dick's gotta be this long <laughs> for this ride. <laughs> Last time somebody called me a bitch, I was like, aren't you cute? Is that the best you can do? You should have seen their face. They didn't know what to do with me. I said, you're just charming, bitch. Really? That's what you're going to come out of the gate with. Bitch. Okay. Why don't you go home to your mama? Because you're not old enough to talk to me. Go away, fetus. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking asshole. Bitch. If, you know what? If the worst thing a man calls you is a bitch or a pussy or a twat or a cunt, that kind of... I mean, call me a bitch if you want. Don't call me a poor tipper. I mean, <laughs> you want to, you want to, you want to get in my face? Call me a poor tipper. We're gonna throw down. <laughs> We're gonna throw some hands. Don't say I tip ra- very well. 
I'd say, fuck you. Don't, don't, and somebody got in my face. If they wanted to, you have to know me and not insult me and say, you're rude to service people. I'd be like, motherfucker, I am not. <laughs> what is the matter you with you? Put your card up. I do too. <laughs> you're inconsiderate in the grocery store. <gasps> you left your cart in the middle of the aisle. I did not. I always go to one side or the other. What is it? You asshole. You. Call me a bitch. I'd be like, well, that was original. I mean, it's like it's it's. I don't care if people call me a bitch or a cunt or a whore or a slut. Or I don't know if this matter because I also people affectionately call me bitch, right? Did you see what Ellie just wrote? Oh my god! She said, "My best friend in high school lost her first boyfriend because they tried to have sex, and he called it his man meat, and she couldn't stop laughing." I have to say that I would still be laughing. Yeah. I would laugh probably every time I saw him for the rest of my life. He would hate my guts. <laughs> I'd be like, yo, man meat. <laughs> How's it hanging? <laughs> he would not have wanted to let me anywhere near his yearbook. <laughs> but, I mean, I have friends who call me bitch affectionately, right? I mean, Kira comes in, she says, hey, bitches. It's like, our, our fucking chat is called Bitches, right? Bitches. Basically, bitches called bitches. Or we'll say, "I'll meet you in bitches." You know, I mean, it doesn't mean anything from somebody. But if somebody, if, you know, if somebody, if people try to use it as an insult, and because I've already taken it in as a term of endearment, when somebody tries to insult me and call me a bitch, I just go, "Oh, you need to try a little harder." Because, whatever, somebody calls me an asshole. It depends on the context of the asshole. Because I'd be like, well, "What do you say? You think I did?" <laughs> because asshole could be good, asshole could be bad. Because I, I am a, I am an asshole, but. What is the context? There, there is this odd, there is this exp, um, expectation that men will have plenty of sexual experience and that women will stay virgins. But what you need to keep in mind is that's more about Madonna and whore. Um, there are girls you marry and girls you fuck. And they expect women that are, marri are marriage material, women who are of good breeding and good status and good education, um, those women should save themselves for their husband. But everybody else, you know, all the other women who aren't as valuable in their mindset are um, only good for fucking. Gross, but true. Yeah. It's terrible. While we're yakking about sluts and horrors and all that kind of thing. Um, I hate it when Kate, when Kate um, berates Tony constantly in fic and basically calls him a man whore. Um, well, there's, there's there's a little bit of she didn't really do it in canon, but there's some canon basis for it. She was definitely uptight, which is weird. That was a that was a retconning of her character because, because wasn't she having the affair with the football carrier? That's why she lost her job in the Secret Service is because yeah. she, was, she was fucking somebody on the uh, the part of the president, the, the the protection detail. So, you know, if anybody has has any questions about tropes or has has any tropes they'd like us to discuss and in, in terms of dislike tropes, drop it in the ask a question for the podcast while we are yapping here about um, the the hypocrisy around the whole slut horror thing. Um, and when it comes to the horror thing, to me, when I hear horror, I kind of want to go, okay. But first thing, because I'm literal, I'm like, so does that mean they're a sex worker? Or are you saying that you're trying to imply that they're getting something for sex? And what are you saying? Because I don't have a problem. I actually think prostitution should be legal. I have no problem with with it at all. So um, I think, because I, I just actually find it super offensive that 
um, we should cover that. Thank you. Um, so, uh, so yes, we covered uh, rape to love. Uh, we we, we mentioned it last night, falling in love with your rapist, and that's one of the reasons why I rage quit. Um, Grim. Yeah. So, but we decided we decided because kind of I don't, we don't consider typically consider rape a trope, but rape to love is a trope. You're right, and and that is a horrible. It would be definitely on I. It's on. A, it's a hard no, of a trope for me. Some tropes, it's like, well, maybe if it's written well. That one is a hard no. Um, I I would never read a story that was where the person fell in love with their rapist. Oh, but you see, Queenie, that that was perfect for Gibbs. Kate had to resign, and Gibbs was talking to her boss about it, and said so he was going to accept her resignation. So what's Gibbs get to do? He gets to rescue the girl. He gets to rescue Kate and pretend she's Kelly. Yeah. It made no sense that he hired her. She had none of the qualifications he'd be looking for. In a... But anyway, um, next one. Um, the besti bestiality in Schiffer. It's actually, to me, it's not bestial. Um, if they're fully sapient and, and if they're fully sapient, shifters having sex with each other in their shifted form is not bestiality, in my opinion, because they're not animals. They are a, basically a different species. So of of sapient, it's like saying like I've I've seen people tagging um, Beauty and the Beast fic where Beast and Belle have sex, which is I find improbable, but they, they tag it as bestiality. It's not. Um, there are you know Han and um, Chewie Chewbacca stories that are tagged as bestiality. They're not. That's just a, just because someone's furry doesn't mean that they're an animal. Um. So while I don't like reading full shift sex in shifter stories, I don't like reading it. I certainly don't like reading where one partner is shifted and the other partner is not. Because no. that, it, 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 I will say, evokes the the idea of bestiality—somebody being fucked by a dog or a wolf or whatever. So I find that very unappealing. It is not actually bestiality. I also like think- to see it in Harry Potter, um, where animagus. Um, I joke about it in my fic, but I would never write it. <laughs> I think the thing is, I think it realistically happens. I think if you have two people that are compatible in animagus form, they probably have sex. People do. That's what they do. I just don't want to see it on screen. When it comes to shifters, I think it's realistic that if they are, if you have full shift werewolves, that um, <laughs> if you have full shift werewolves, they are on the full moon. They are out there banging each other. Absolutely, I just don't want to read it because I'm not interested in reading about what feels like it feels like dogs fucking. Okay, but it is not bestiality. Bestiality is people having sex with animals, and the one of the reasons why that is a big problem is because that animal can't consent. Okay, that animal did not sign up for you, your character sexually assaulting them. Ugh. It's gross. So I've bestiality I think is horrible. But what things call people in fandom call bestiality does not meet the burden. If your character is capable if they are sentient and sapient and they are capable of reasoning and they are into higher intelligence, they can bang whoever is willing to bang with them in whatever form they want to bang. So we just need to we need to stop conflating that idea and stop tagging the Beauty and the Beast stories as bestiality. I know you're trying to tell us when you do that, you're trying to shorthand tell us that he stays in his beast form and they have sex, but just fucking say that. Um, 
going down this list. <laughs> the inexplicably gay cast. Everybody is gay. Um, yeah. In uh, in um, Sentinels of Atlantis, I have a lot of gay pairings because it amused me. It just amused the shit out of me. Um, it just, it just that's that's all it was. It was just amusing. Um, and I even said it in my author notes. Everybody's gay because it was amusing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, own it. If you're going to write the whole cast, I generally don't like it because I t- tend to find it to be, but authors also don't own it. They don't go, hey, everybody's yeah, gay. Yeah, mention not put it on screen. Like I said, I joke about it. I wouldn't, act, but I actually don't consider Lucius in a centaur bestiality. Or how Julie says it, bestiality. I don't even know how you say it. I've always said bestiality. But I, I think I'm wrong because there's no A there. But a centaur is a fully sentient, sapient per- person. So what yeah, if they're but, half horse, half man? That yeah, that would not be bestiality. That's the fucking conversation that got me in so much trouble with my mother was should 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 Harry be allowed to be in a relationship with a centaur? I should never have. <laughs> I should never have I posed mean, that. I should never have had that thought experiment with her. I'm still paying for it. Um, no, there. No, it's not. It's not spelled with an A. Yeah, it's not spelled that way. Um, it's B E S T. Um, but uh. There's actually a line in one of my time travel fics where um, Walberga is, uh, she's on Harry's side, right? And um, she's saying, she said, my grandson can marry anybody. He could marry a centaur if he wanted to. I wouldn't approve of it because they they never say what they mean. <laughs> and that was her whole reason that she wouldn't approve. Because they, <laughs> they talk in riddles and it drives her nuts. <laughs> I actually think it's actually pronounced bish, like bish or something like that, bishiality or something. I can't quite get there with that pronunciation. But anyway, um, uh, if the if if a wolf shifter so that somebody asks the question up above, if the wolf shifter can't reason, there's a difference between sentience and sapience. A sentient animal, all animals are sentient. Dogs are sentient. Stop that. You're not looking for sentience. Sentience means they're aware. Okay, sapience. Is the is for me the word that it comes? Sapience is the ability to reason. Okay, that higher reasoning is when you get higher intelligence, higher life forms. Is you're looking for sapience, so you need the combination of sentience and sapience to achieve viable person, viable entity capable of giving consent. You need sentient and sapient. Otherwise, because you could have a robot that argue, you could have an android that is arguably. Um sapient but possibly not sentient um there are um there there is a species of um they think that mountain gorillas are pretty close to sapiens yeah i could i could believe that they're pretty close that yeah but Um, not they're 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 learning and passing on skills um they're learning to hunt poachers and spring traps and they're teaching these skills to their young but they've been using tools for a long time, so, and that speaks to sapience. And there are dolphins and whales that they believe are close. Are, are some scientists believe they're all they're already sapient? So, you know, but if if they, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no on the octopi because I don't think sapient. There's some things octopi do that really are distressing. But anyway, that's that's a whole different thing. But um. When Man, it comes octopus to- is the only animal in the world that can literally tell you to go fuck yourself. Well, but the the mothers will consume themselves to stay with their children. Um, 
that kind of, I think that kind of ingrained biological programming is kind of draws a line on. Yeah. Sapien. When you, when your biology keeps you, makes you consume your own tentacles so that you can stay with your eggs. That's just, it's, it's like, yeah, whoa. The, well, the tentacle does grow back, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know actually um but anyway so there are <laughs> there are animals that are but it, somebody so that it, it, there there are probably degrees but generally if something's considered an animal if we classify it in the animal kingdom it shouldn't it, it shouldn't be fucking your character okay but with um if your shifted character however is not does not retain their sapience in their shifted form You've got you've got a you've got a continuous consent problem, and that is not an issue of bestiality, bestiality, whatever. It's not an issue of that versus that's not the issue. It's the issue of continuous consent because if they lose their mind when they shift and they fuck their partner, you you've you've you've, you've hit for me. You've hit a problem of consent because they're still fundamentally human. It doesn't matter what form they're in, but you've now hit that continuous consent problem, and that's why that would have a problem with that. I still wouldn't want to read it, though. Yeah, I mean, even if Derek was fully in his mind and and Styles was an adult, I still wouldn't want to read him the banging while Derek's a wolf and Styles is a human. Or even if they're both wolves, I don't want to. I just want to read nah. it because I I, I I promise you that in in Duty of the Living, Derek and Styles are going to bang in their wolf forms. It's going to happen. I just it's not going to happen on screen. Because I do think it's the reality that that's what that's if you grow up as a wolf and you spend a significant amount of time in your shifted form and you're with other wolves, especially on like on the full moon, you're you're fucking. It's just going to happen. Yeah, I can see banging happen. I just don't want to read it. Yeah, right? I don't want to read it. I sure as hell don't want to write it because that would be that, that, that'd be research I don't want to get into. That's a no for me, dog. There's some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a little pun there. Literally. Um, <laughs> I just I don't want there's some I I'll, I'll research a lot of things but I really don't want to research that. I mean I'm sure it's on YouTube but I don't want to see it. No, no. So no. Um. So let me. Uh, I agree. The breakup for your own good is really annoying. I don't like that trope at all. Which is the, you know, I'm no good for you. I'm going to leave you. Um. <laughs> I'm going to break up with, or I'm going to break up with you to protect you, but I'm not going to tell you that I'm breaking up with you to protect you. I agree. Annoying. I find those more annoying tropes. Uh, um, I could see how the, uh, I could see how the overprotective big brother trope could be annoying, but it's not, um, I, I think, it, I think, I think it's not so much the trope as it's, it's the cliche implementation of it. It's like there's an older brother. It's not even the sister thing. Sometimes it's just the younger brother thing. It's just like, oh, that's my brother. The it, when you approach something that is like a common thing and you do it the way everybody else does it, it starts to it's it's a cliche and it kind of is like. Eh. It also starts to become a body autonomy issue. Like the males in her family get to decide who touches her, which is like no. Shut your mouth. The whole overprotective father bullshit too. Yeah. I don't think that either. Um, so, so, so it's the one character making decisions for another. For instance, Buffy and company cutting Xander or Scott cutting Styles out because they decided for them that they shouldn't be involved in the supernatural, even though Xander and Styles is all in on including themselves. Um, I don't. That can be a plot device 
that could work for me or can go very bad. And when it goes bad, it's actually not the plot device itself that's the problem for me. I could see how that could be an annoying trope, but it's what happens with the character when they get cut out. Is I the the implementation of that trope that annoys me is when the character spirals into some self-destructive pit of depression and you know they leave or like you know styles is cut out of the pack and he he packs up his car he disappears and nobody knows where he is and he's gone for years and it's just i just find that kind of be really tedious i'm just interested in reading about it but it can't i've also read it as a plot device or as, as an impetus for the character to move on and have better things in their life so and when that happens, it's, um, I'm not mad at it. So it, it, it depends that that's kind of like a plot device. It kind of depends on what you do with it. Um, you don't need me. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> fine. I mean, if style, if, if you know, if See it's ya. later, if it's like, let's say it's after Derek leaves Beacon Hills and styles cuts, uh, Derek, let's say after Scott kills, um, what's his face, Donovan. Um, and Scott was really being a dick about, Styles killing that guy in self-defense because he was believing Theo and that whole thing. And let's say Scott cut him out of the pack, right? And so, you know, what if Styles just went, oh, fine, motherfucker. I am so done cleaning up your mess. And he goes off and bangs Derek, wherever the fuck Derek is. I'm all in. Sign me up. Um, but it just depends on what you do with it. Uh, but, you know, if Styles takes off, he gets really depressed and he takes off. He doesn't even tell his father that he's leaving and his, he's seeing himself on milk cartons for months and not even calling his father. Come on. That just makes Styles a dick. So extremely unrealistic female genitalia form of... Okay, well, yeah, you've got to... you got to know. Not just, it's not just female genitalia either. It's male, too. You no. Know, I, I think we've all read that 14-inch cock that's twice the size of a Coke can. Yeah, it's like, come on. No one wants that in them anywhere. And also, that you couldn't get an erection if your dick was that big. Not and stay conscious. <laughs> you have a yes. choice between being awake and having an erection. <laughs> I I actually absolutely agree, Edie, and uh, Twy, that Airman Harris is an exceptional example of Daniel, not Daniel, but Xander being edged out of the group. And it it you wind up with an exceptional story as a result of the direction his life took because he was pushed away. But there definitely is an annoying flavor on a very a flavor of that trope that is unappealing, which is like what we mentioned with the where your character turns into an asshole and worries everything while they're engaging in their campaign of professional victimhood. Um, <laughs> well, I may have feelings about this. Um, <laughs> she could be a little salty. <laughs> yeah, but the unrealistic the unrealistic sex is like you know I mean, like we said, you be we don't expect everybody to have done every single sex act. Right. But I mean, sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm on X sometimes just like, I can't, I can't quite visualize. I know the position. I can see it in my head, but I like need to see it, see it so that I can like describe it better. It's like, I need to see somebody spread out in exactly this position with their legs. Exactly like this. I got to find it. Right. Sometimes I, I watch a lot of porn. It's, and a lot of it's for research. Sometimes you find, you get shocking stuff that way. I mean, you know, Az has a great story about uh, sex that she found on um, on is it was it fanfiction.net about the two boys trying to put the dick in the dick. Oh, yeah, the one I found was the two guys standing side by side trying <laughs> to be in the same hole at the same time and, and <laughs> succeeding somehow. How how much like tentacles were those 
peni. Well, the question um, becomes is how big was that hole? Well, I don't have a problem with double penetration, but right, but it has to be done. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a very specific position that works for double penetration, and side by side is not it. And it, but the improbable, it, you can't get those two dicks. Two people saying, I don't care how skinny they are, I don't care how slender their hips are, you're not getting two dicks. Two people standing side by side, get, getting both those dicks in that hole, it just isn't going to happen. I don't care which hole it is, and I don't care how big it is, it isn't going to happen. So, um, let's see. Uh, nice guys finish last trope. I hate that whole nice guys thing in reality. I sure as fuck don't want to read it. I don't. I don't really see that, and I don't really see that trope much in the fan fiction I read. So it hasn't hit. I don't. But I agree with Kira. It does. I don't like it in real life. So if you're a nice guy, you don't have to tell anybody. Just saying. Um. Yeah. I agree. Select mutism is a little bit of a strange one because. There are people who have such severe anxiety that talking to somebody they're attracted to is impossible. Um, but I would think that I, I just I wouldn't I actually wouldn't want to read that. I like Big Bang Theory had select mutism for a couple seasons. I think people found it really tedious, so they eventually wrote it out. Um, it, yeah, it's 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 tedious. I wouldn't want to read it. I, I it doesn't hit my list of. Uh, the the select music doesn't hit my list of disliked tropes because I just don't see it that often. It hasn't. I've only ever read one fickle, and it was about John, and he, Rodney was going to marry Keller, and he got so fucked up over it, he just stopped talking. Yeah, I and then when he that. finally did talk, he was like, "Don't marry Jennifer." <laughs> it was the first thing out of his mouth, and Rodney was like, "Really? This whole thing was about that? <laughs> you could have just said it." Yeah. Um, let's see. The next one is turning the main female characters into. I do hate this trope. It's turning all the female characters into monsters, so the guys are the only pairing left. If the only way you can get your slash pairing together is to make the women all assholes, I don't think much of your craft, to be honest. Um, yes, I'm not saying you can never make the women assholes, but it's just there are authors that's their default way of handling it. They break up a character by making the woman an absolute bitch, or they make all the women absolutely intolerable, and it's just... I I don't like... If your character is gay, it doesn't matter how awesome the woman around them is, they're not going to want to fuck them. So you don't need to worry about them. Although there's something to be said for batshit crazy Weir. Psycho Elizabeth Weir makes me happy. (laughs) Right? Yeah, Denalia has a site. They're talking about Denalia in the chat. Denalia's, I think her site's still up, um, but the password's on the site, so it's not like you have to ask her for it. She does have a password. I, I don't... I mean, she puts the password right on the front page, so... At least she used to. Is it just to keep um, search engines at bay? It might be. Um, let's see if her site's still out there. Or is it more of an idiot filter? <laughs> You can't figure out how to get in with the password. You don't deserve to. <laughs> I, it's probably an idiot filter. Some of her stuff's on the Spander files, but it depends upon what she writes in a lot of different fandoms. So, um, and the site's still there. I just found it. Up, oh, yeah, that's it. Sarah, Sarah beat me to it. Yeah, that's that's the site. But I, as I recall, this is the yeah the, the yeah. <laughs> The path, the username, and password are right on the front page. 
and they're amusing. Um, okay, so let's go back to the questions and see what's still left. Okay. Um, oh, there is, I think there is kind of a minor trope about a character feeling like they're trapped in a relationship where they're just not happy and they, they don't leave because they feel like they're a dick if they break up with a good person or whatever. Um, I, I think it's not, it's not on my hated list because again i don't think this is a terribly commonly explored trope in the fandoms that i read i would if i was seeing this explored a lot i would find it tedious because if you're, you're not happy in a relationship just break up right irreconcilable differences is very vague and it's the number one leading number one reason for divorce you just don't get along um i just i you know i just would i i would find it annoying just because i wouldn't want to read something that is so pointless to me as reading a character spiraling about wanting out of a relationship, but not being able to break up with the person because they're a good person. That's just, it seems tedious. I can't say I'd like it. The only I mean, thing worse in the Harry Potter fandom is that the whole trope about being obligated to be with the Weasleys. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. You I guess. I guess them. No, you fucking don't. You don't owe them. I guess that that, is a that's not on. how that shit works. It's just Ugh. it's just tedious. Like it's like what is the? I feel like sometimes when I see these kinds of things being explored, it's like what is? It's not the point of the story, right? But it's, it's like get. I, I'm like get to building towards your point because it isn't this. So it just feels like it's filler. Um, getting dumped, breaking up, being heartbroken, and then finding going after the one quickly after that. Uh, I find that I I don't like that because I find it to be. Um, I find that to be unrealistic. People, if you're truly heartbroken, you don't just that takes that takes time to heal. Um, they tell you what it takes like um two months to get over every one month or something like that, or vice versa. Really like if you're in a relationship with somebody for a year, it takes you two years to realistically get over them. But at some point, there's a, there's there's that that formula would change because if you're with somebody for ten years, it doesn't take you twenty years to get over them. No, but there was there was some weird thing with it, and I forget what it was. Yeah. But it does t- it takes time, right? But on the other hand, life is unpredictable, and so I do think that sometimes you meet somebody you're really happy with when you're not in a place to be in a relationship with them. So it, it just depends upon how the person explores it. Um. There's a reason why you, you you often don't wind up in a in a relationship with your rebound because even if they are somebody who'd be great for you, um, you start to associate. They become this association of a period of your time, a period of your life where you're in recovery from a, this bad relationship, um, and once you heal, you know, once you heal completely, you're ready to move on. Mm-hmm. And this rebound relationship connects you to the relationship you're moving on from. Yeah. Now, I did have Tony and Dom get together very quickly after Tony's relationship with Pepper ended in uh, Stick Around. But there's a couple of... Re- I, but they did talk about the whole thing and then the worry that Dom was a rebound and that it wouldn't work and all that kind of stuff. Um, but part of the reason... I don't think Tony was heartbroken. So that'd be the, that, that was the difference. I think in a lot of ways it was a relief for him to get out of that relationship, which is why it didn't hit a sour note for me to put him in another relationship fairly quickly because it's just, 
you know, I don't think he was actually all that heartbroken about the end. I think in a lot of ways, whenever I read Tony and Pepper breaking up, even if it's hard for him, I, I feel like in, it's part of the reason it's hard is because it's a relief. That it's like, you know, he feels guilty. I could see Tony feeling guilty that he's relieved that their relationship is over. Because she was just always pushing at him. So if, but if somebody's really heartbroken, I just don't see them if, if they're if they're really just in that emotional place where they're devastated. I just don't see somebody moving on instantly. So I agree with you; it's unrealistic. It's just not in a lot of fanfic that I read. So um, I think there was one more. Oh, there is one more thing that I can I, that I loathe that I, I refuse to read: it's cheating. Oh yeah, I hate reading cheating. Cheating. I just oh no. Absolutely not. You turn my favorite character into a dishonorable asshole that cheats. I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm so done. <laughs> I'll probably never get any of your work again. Adults having a countdown for an underage character to come of age, presumably to have sex. Um, oh. Okay. Potentially prob- Potentially not problematic. On the surface, problematic. I wouldn't we don't like it. It's 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 skeevy. It depends upon, but it depends on how old the character is we're talking about. So, like, if I have like a twenty-one-year-old Derek dating seventeen-year-old Styles, and they are like literally waiting for Styles' eighteenth birthday to bang. Okay. okay, okay, I'm fine with it. If it's Peter counting down till Styles turns eighteen, no, I'm not okay with it. Okay, <laughs> I, no, that feels that feels janky. It's just. <laughs> It just depends. So, so in that one, it it depends. It depends on how old the character is, the older character is. It depends upon what the nature of their relationship is. Um, if they've had no connection at all, and this character's just waiting for them to turn eighteen so they can make a pass, that feels kind of skeevy. Gross. I. But there's so many potential flavors of that trope that it's hard to pin that down for me as a, an intensely disliked trope. But on the surface of it, I can't imagine that I would want to read that. Falling for the person who rescues you and proves it's all sex and kittens and happily ever after. Well, you know, like like Sandra Bullock told us in Speed, intense situations. Um, but how did she put it about intense situations? Can create like sort of like a false. I don't remember exactly what she said it. False sense of intimacy or something. I do think that that's true. That sometimes you get into an intense situation with somebody and you wind up having sex. Does it? Does that mean you're going to fall in love? Yeah, problem. I don't know that I find it. I don't know that. I think it depends upon how it's explored. Um, I have to. Well, he said near the end, I have to warn you. I've heard relationships based on intense experiences never work. And she says, okay, we'll have to base it on sex then. <laughs> right. Now, she, she, she said, she said that to him on the bus. And then when they were kissing, mm-hmm. that's when he repeated it back to her. Um, he repeated it back to her on the on the subway car, uh, so yeah, she wants to base it on sex. So, you know, I think that it does happen. And the thing is, if somebody, if you're reading a story like this, I don't know that it's a problematic trope in general, but um, if you're reading a story like this and it hits a sour note for you as being unrealistic, it's because the author just hasn't done the work to make it realistic. So I don't know that it's necessarily a bad trope to me, but it. The author has to the author has to meet the burden of suspension of disbelief and if they haven't they haven't move on just keep going and that's true for any trope right there are tropes i adore that are done very badly sometimes 
I love Tony leaves. I don't care if it's which Tony, actually. I love them both leaving, you know, taking their cookies and going home. But I, as much as I love that trope, they're some of my most hated stories in those fandoms use that trope. So it's just all. But there are some tro- there are some tropes that I universally just generally go, no. There might be an occasional exception, but for the most part, it's a hard no, which is more what we've been kind of talking about tonight. Is the ones that just on the surface we just are like, no, I'm not, I'm not down for that. Um, did anybody else have any more questions? Kira, you got any more tropes you intensely dislike? I think we covered my whole list, but cheating really does bother me. Uh, that you know, honestly, and that is one of the things that is often rarely worn for. So I, when I when I hit it, when I, when I get hit by it, I get blindsided by it. I'm like, what the fuck are you? What? What the fuck? <laughs> Why have you done this to me, author? <laughs> if I click on a Harry Hermione fic and I'm about, I don't know, 2,000 words in and then I realize um, that they're actually married to Jenny and Ron and they're having an affair, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. The only acceptable time that, you know, that's like if they've left the Weasleys and they get together before the divorce is final, that, okay. Okay, but to live this double life where they're meeting in secret to to actively cheat on their spouses is such a dishonorable thing to do um, that I just I have a real problem with it. Yeah, the cheating is just no, no. Well, I told you about that NCIS story, and I was really enjoying. I knew Gibbs Tony was the end game, and Tony was with somebody else at the beginning of the story. I knew that. But I assume Tony broke up with that guy. Well, he did break up with him, but not before he was banging Gibbs. And I was like, oh, oh, no. So. I get mad just thinking about it. Like, how do you take your character? I mean, you're writing a story with this character, so obviously you like this character a lot. Why would you get put them in a circumstance where they are genuinely contemptible? Genuinely. But then some people really enjoy cheating. They find infidelity um, sexually stimulating. It's like the oh, whole cuckolding so thing. Yeah. Well, there's a whole there's a whole genre of that, and you can get. But although a lot of the fetishing around uh, the cuckolding is is um, where it's done knowingly, like it's done in front of the husband or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, it's sort of like a kink, but that's a little bit different. A negotiated kink, where because that's basically right. Um, you're, you know, you're. But only you're, like I mean, I've seen stories like that in like in kink fandoms and stuff where the husband is hiding in the closet to watch, and the man that has been brought home has no idea. Yeah, that's 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 disgusting. Yeah, I agree. Um. Okay, somebody mentions the. the I agree. This has emerged as a trope. I at first because. Something has to be written, I think, multiple times and explored multiple ways to kind of evolve into a trope. But there is a trope that is emerged in the MCU of where Tony and Steve in a relationship before Civil War. And then they basically go their path in Civil War. All those events in Civil War happen. And then the, the, the rogue Avengers get pardoned and Steve and Tony get back together. I tell you, when I see that, I, my unimpressed face gets a workout. I... I don't even know what to do with it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me at all that 
I can see their relationship ending, but I can't see their relationship coming back together. I think that's just stupid. So, I have still, still to this day, I have not seen all of Civil War, um, but I've seen enough of it, and I have read the transcript of it. I've read a lot of the screen, not transcript. I've read a lot of the screenplay. I just don't get it. I don't get it. So I don't I know if they're ever watching Civil War. So, nope, I'm not gonna do it. I mean, I, heard, I I don't like dismiss it from canon, but that that's why I have such a, but I, that's why I have such a problem writing Steve, right? Is <laughs> because it's just not okay. So no, I I think that that trope is kind of hor- horrifying. Um, because there are there are definitely very fandom specific tropes that emerge. I mean, yes, yeah, Steve does try to kill Tony in Civil War, basically, because um, that violence could be considered. Well, it, it's workplace violence at the very least. <laughs> That's not funny. Um, well, but if they're in a relationship, I mean, it does it does feel skeevier that he nearly he tried to kill somebody he that had been his lover, his partner. Um, that he would even choose to stand opposite Tony in those circumstances. That's not love. No. He he just he. It's just crazy kicks. I don't know why we would write that that way. I don't. Uh, pray, even if they weren't together, honestly, the whole idea of them getting together after Civil War, whether they were already together or not, it's uglier if they were already together because, although not actually all that much, because they were supposed to be friends. And to me, Steve tried to kill him. So, <sighs> and please, I know this is a very heated subject for people who are, who are fans of Steve and think he did the right thing in Civil War. I do not. I've, I do not want your opinion about. How many people did he kill in Civil War? I mean, there's no, I mean, some people would say none, but I just don't see how that could possibly be. I mean, these are super soldiers who are punching and fighting and throwing his shield at average mundane humans. He had to, and then they dropped that fucking overpass or that bridge on them. People had to have died. I just, how many I just, died in Winter Soldier? True. How many died yeah. as a result of the Winter Soldier? Right. Because of of the data dump, I mean, it's just it just doesn't. And I know I I have seen. Believe me, I have seen the arguments in in uh, in the comments section on people's websites. I mean, on people's stories on Ao3, where people who are you know pro Steve bash get get mad, even though the person has clearly tagged their fic Team Iron Man um, that there's you know you know consequences for the for the first team team captain america even though they clearly tagged their fic they'll come in and just rip them apart in in the comment section for feeling like steve did the wrong thing and i'm just not sure what action that you know i don't i don't i don't understand the mentality of burn the world to save one person i really don't so and that was steve's mentality and then they doubled down on steve having that mentality and i don't even think that bucky if in his right mind would have agreed I agree. Oh, totally. Bucky, Bucky wouldn't have wanted that shit. So, and then they doubled down on Steve's mentality about that kind of thing in Endgame. So I don't like it. I don't get it. Um, and I, I really, I'll be very, very upset if somebody tries to write me and defend this kind of shenanigans because I just don't like it, and I don't have to like it. That's the beauty of this whole thing is I don't have to like it. I don't have to like what you like. You don't have to like what I like. You can love you some slavey rape fic if you want. Go go you, but I don't like it. And don't send us any goddamn emails. No, I just don't want to have any more following. I've had some really good follow-up discussions with people from 
podcasts. I really have. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're approaching me from the position of I was wrong, you're right, or I'm a especially if you're if you're writing to call me a hypocrite, just stop. I just just suck it. Suck Kira's dick. I can't even bother with you. <laughs> And on that note, uh, I think we'll say goodnight. Thank you very much for everybody in the chat room for participating and picking out examples for us. We totally appreciate it. Um, I hope you guys have a fantastic um, rest of the weekend. And don't do, don't do anything I wouldn't do, which leaves your options pretty much wide open. Um, say goodnight, Julie. Good night, everyone.